Call the meeting to order and advise members that the committee is in public session, even though the public gallery remains closed to visitors. Can I ask Assembly Broadcasting to add all members into the spotlight for the next four items? Agenda item one is apologies. Are members aware of any apologies? Uh, there's none, just a few members will be late. Okay. Agenda item two then, chairperson's business. In terms of free school meals, can I remind members that press reports have suggested that the Minister has secured executive support and funding for the provision of free school meals for eligible children and young people during all holiday periods until Easter 2022. Is that right, Clark? Um, that is my understanding, yes. Easter, okay. Not, not next, not 21? No, 2022. Okay. So it's, a, it's a lot of money, 40 million. Excellent. Uh, members, this is obviously very welcome news as part of the campaign to end holiday hunger uh, and an issue that the committee has been raising uh, for some time. Can I seek members' agreement to write to the Department of Education seeking clarity as to why payments are to be made to families of eligible children rather than the provision of food parcels or free school meal alternatives? in line with recent practice and just to get further confirmation uh, of those proposals. Agreed? Agreed. Uh, Chair, can I come on? Yeah, Karen. Just also, I suppose, to um, uh, express um, our, our gratitude that, that actually that this has been done, it has been worked up um, uh, and we would like to see, obviously, um, the the funding in place for next year. I know the funding that's there at the moment will be in place until the end of the financial year, but to give them the commitments there early April 2022, so hopefully the funding will follow as well. Happy to seek that clarification as well. Members content? Agreed? Yes, no. <clears throat> Agreed, yep, okay. No, mem the members will have to say something. <laughs> Clark, Clark needs some of you to say agreed for us. I think, I think uh, Chair, I, I would, following on from the Deputy's uh, proposal, agree. I think we should indeed express our uh, congratulations to the Minister and indeed our appreciation of the work that he has put in, in in delivering this. What I think has gone beyond all our expectations. Like you, when I read the press report, I thought 2022, that must be an error. Indeed, my belief is that it is 2022, and I think that is extremely welcome. Agreed. Daniel? Just to echo those words as well, this is very welcome. Uh, we will alleviate pressure on families that are struggling uh, during this period. Uh, I, I'm glad that Minister Weir has listened to the calls of this committee. Uh, I just hope that he listens to the concerns of this committee when it comes to examinations and the same effort. So, uh, it's welcome you today that I've heard a number of things that they listen to us about and raising their concerns during this pandemic. Thank you, Chair. Okay. Agreed? Members agreed? Agreed. Yeah. agreed. Thanks, Robin. <laughs> okay, agenda item 2.2, Homeless Period Belfast. Can I advise members uh, that members of the committee met with Homeless Period Belfast and Councillor Glenn Findlay to discuss period poverty in schools? and a note of proceedings has been circulated. Can I seek members' views on the provision of free period product products in all schools, particularly in view of the, of the passage of the period products free provision Scotland Bill <coughs> 2020, 
at the Scottish Parliament, I believe was passed yesterday, Clark, uh, circulated by email yesterday. Can I seek members' agreement for the committee to write to the Department of Education seeking an update on the pilot undertaken in North Belfast uh, with regards to uh, free sanitary product provision and the scoping work on free uh, sanitary product provision in all schools, indicating the committee's support for the campaign for the provision of free period products in all schools in Northern Ireland. Members agreed? Agreed. Agreed? Okay. okay. Thanks, Clark. Agenda item 2.3 is the Ulster University review of segregation in preschools. Can I advise members that the University of Ulster, Ulster University, has just published a report into segregation in preschools. This has been circulated to members by email. The report suggests that 70% of preschools um, are highly segregated and 47% are entirely segregated. That is to say, there appears to be limited mixing of different religious backgrounds in those preschools. Can I seek members' agreement to write to the Department of Education asking for its uh, response to the report and for clarity as to how it is to respond to this situation? Agreed? Members agreed? Yes? Okay. Agreed. Thank you. Draft minutes. Can I refer members to draft minutes of the committee meeting of 18th of November 2020 at page 6 of your meeting packs and seek your agreement that the minutes are a complete and accurate record of proceedings. Agreed? Agreed. Thank you, Karen. Matters arising. There are no matters arising. Anyone need to raise any matters? Nope. Okay, agenda item five then is our oral briefing on the independent review of integrated education. Can I ask Assembly Broadcasting to remove all members from the spotlight and to add our witnesses? Can I refer members to a note from the committee clerk at page 14, a copy of the independent report on integrated education at page 27, predecessor committee correspondence on FIDO, uh, the Fair Employment Treatment Order. Sorry? Sorry, Chairperson. I think yep. the broadcasting have added the wrong witnesses. That's um, the department, blue department. Okay. It's Colin Kavanagh. Sorry, Chairperson, you okay. were saying. <laughs> I think that's been corrected, yeah? Yeah. That's great. Okay. Uh, predecessor committee corresponds on the Fair Employment Treatment Order and the Certificate in Religious Education at page 161 and 219. And relevant extracts from a predecessor committee inquiry into shared and integrated education at page 221. Can I welcome Colin Kavanagh, the independent review co-author. Um, by way of welcome, say that last week the Education Committee um, made its views known on the New Decade New Approach Independent Review of Education, which has one of its objectives uh, to be the consideration of the prospect of moving towards a single education system. It is anticipated that this latest review will draw upon the findings of earlier reports and it is for this reason that the committee is very glad to welcome uh, Colm Kavanagh, one of the co-authors of the Independent Report on Integrated Education, to the committee today. Uh, Colm, you have 
15 minutes to make an opening statement and then this will be followed by questions and answers from the members. You're very welcome, Colin. You're not visible, but you're loud and clear. Okay, well, shall I proceed? Yeah. Do we, do we, is audio okay, Clark? I think it is. Uh, it yeah. just is the, um, has the witness switched on their camera? Yeah, is there a, a camera function or video function on your yeah, yeah, device? The sound and vision are both switched on my end. Okay. okay That's a shame we're we're missing out on your beautiful face, Colin, but otherwise we can hear you loud and clear. There's a there's a little indicator on the top right hand of my vision that uh you that I do not have a camera on, but in fact the camera is on. Okay. Well, well we'll proceed with your opening statement, Colin, and then if you um Oh, there we go. That's you. There we are, okay. That's you, Colin, that's great. Okay, thank you very much, uh, Chairperson, and, and also members, and I'm very pleased to be here this morning. Um, I want to record the apologies of my fellow author, um, Professor Margaret Topping from Queen's University, who had a prior commitment at this time and, and can't be present. But the report was uh, unanimous, so she's happy that, that I represent the views of both of us. Um, the, the work of the Education Committee is hugely important, obviously, because it shapes the lives and future of the young people now in the community as a whole in future. And obviously, um, you have a difficult job to try to meet all the competing demands, and not only for your time, but also for the resources, even in the, even though you have the second largest budget in the assembly, uh, there are huge demands uh, all the time on your, on your work. But I hope that what I can do this morning is bring you some information that will be helpful and useful to you uh, as we go forward. Um, before we get into the immediate details of the report, I think it's really important to do three things. One is to talk about why we should have a united school system. It doesn't matter what it's called or who manages it, but that we have a system where our children go to school together. And the second is the cost uh, of this and why professional estimates uh, appear to say that we're spending at least, or in the region of uh, a million pounds a week by having two parallel systems. And then thirdly, I want to talk about how we get to the present system, uh, and then we can get into the, the details of it. Uh, the committee clerk has been very careful to tell me to, to uh, not overrun my time. Um, <laughs> reconciliation, um, that's obviously what's about. Um, psychologists and sociologists tell us that if we divide a, a group, uh, then we automatically lay the foundations for rivalry and competition, envy, jealousy, friction, and even worse, as we know in Northern Ireland, created them in a situation. And there's a, there's a quote that I'm, I think is relevant to yourselves as lawmakers by Ambassador Mitchell Reese, the former UN, US Special Advisor to Northern Ireland, and he's still a member of the Independent Reporting Commission. And when he was talking to the National Committee on US Foreign Policy in New York, in 2004, he said the following, after taking on this assignment, that's a special envoy, I was astonished to learn roughly 95% of Northern Ireland school children are educated in segregated schools. As Americans, we have first-hand experience of segregation not so vulnerable, and we know it does not work. Segregation shortchanges the students by denying them exposure to one half of their society, and weakens the country by embedding misunderstanding and distrust and then the, the part that has particular resonance, I, I would think, for yourselves as lawmakers, 
As a matter of priority, he said, the Northern Ireland government and civic and religious leaders should recognise that their society will be richer and stronger if their education system encourages more integration so children grow up embracing the diversity of their own culture. So in a sense, what Ambassador Reese was doing there was pointing out the downsides of the bad sides of having a parallel education system. But my favourite quote, uh, which, um, which talks about the benefits of it rather than the downside, is uh, the benefits of having an edit system was actually said by Hulmack, who was in effect the parish priest of the Waterside uh, Catholic Church here in Derry, London, my own city, in the mid-1800s. And before he went to the news to become a priest, he actually attended Foy College. And his quote was, I was educated for years at a school superintended by Protestant clergymen. My school fellows being almost all Protestants, I cannot but regard them with feelings of affection. And that really is what it's all about. Um, so reconciliation, uh, the Good Friday Agreement, Belfast Good Friday Agreement in 1998 mentions reconciliation eight times, and it says an essential aspect of that is the promotion of a culture of tolerance, including initiatives to facilitate and encourage integrated education and mixed housing. And of course we're now in a situation where education is maybe even more important because the, the, the NISRA, our own public service statistics agency, says that only 31% of the population in Northern Ireland regard themselves as living in a mixed neighbourhood, and 80% of public housing is segregated, and 90% of public housing in Belfast. So that's, from the, that's published by the Executive Office in the Northern Ireland Good Relations Indicator a year ago, uh, November 2019. They did take a new approach agreement earlier this year that you just mentioned, they, an external review uh, wants to focus on uh, moving towards a single education system and it also talks about the executive supporting children and young people of different backgrounds together in the classroom. And reconciliation is why the Integrated Education Fund has raised over the years £25 million pounds to help fund parents who wish to have integrated education for their children. <coughs> reconciliation is the reason that the Integrated Schools Movement here were internationally nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize in 2011, 2019 and 2020. And very importantly, the consultative group of the past in 2009, which had only eight members, three of them are current clergy, one professor of theology, one former Catholic priest, and one professor of group. And I'm emphasizing that because it's certainly not a group that was anti-faith or anti-church. But they said, the reality is that reconciliation may never be achieved if our children continue to attend separated schools. And then, and the political parties, all the main political parties, are, their membership supported a, a united system over the years. Peter Robinson's uh, well-known quote that we're in a, a system of benign apartheid, because of course it's voluntary segregation. Martin McGuinness uh, said that if he, and I think he was including Peter Robinson at the time, said if they were starting with a clean slate, they would not create the system that they had, but they would start with a single system. Ulster University, sorry, Ulster Unionist Party policy is uh, in, not for, uh, in favour of denominational education. Yes, the LP emphasises parental choice, but parents want integrated education, and the party would back that right. The Alliance Party, the main party, and people for profit all want uh, a single united system. So that's, I could go into much more detail, but I'm happy to if people want me to, but we don't have very much time. Cost. Uh, there are two professional estimates of the um, 
the cost of the division of Northern Ireland as a whole. Born in 2007 by Lloyds, research into the financial cost of the Northern Ireland divide, and the other one more recently in mid 2016 by Ulster University Economic Policy Centre. Its report was cost of division. And they differ quite widely in the overall cost of uh, division in Northern Ireland. But their, their estimates for education are quite, quite close to each other. They're both in the 50 millions. Um, uh, and if you take the median cost between the two of them, <coughs> you're talking about 57 and a quarter million pounds every year. And that's only about 2 or 3% of, of your budget for the Department of Education. But if you total that up since 1998 and the Belfast Good Friday Agreement, then you're talking about one quarter billion pounds. So the demands that you have on your resources all the time, uh, part of the reason for that demand is that we're spending a lot of money on running parallel systems. And then finally, I want to talk about how we got to where we are today. Because there's some misunderstandings about it. So for the last 190 years, three different governments have tried to introduce a United School System. In 1831, when the National School System was set up, <coughs> uh, Chief Secretary Edward Stanley, MP, who would be the predecessor of Brandon Lewis today, and of course, the whole island of was in the United Kingdom at the time. And he, over a series of commissions that had been done about education, went back even before 1800 to the old Irish Parliament in, in Dublin. They took all that information and proposed a system whereby the government would, for the first time ever in the English speaking world, uh, subsidise the building of school buildings and the payment of teachers uh, in a specific way, and that was that they, they wanted specifically that children would all go to the same school uh, and that religious education would be limited to a particular time of the week, one or two days a week, to be given by the clergy of the population <coughs> of the children. And that aside from that, denominational education and the teaching would be completely banned from, from the, the three hours. When we then went to the three main churches, uh, Catholic Church said, okay, we go along with that. The Church of Ireland, which is an established church, did not agree with it, and said that they would continue to run their existing Church of Ireland schools rather than go to it. And the Presbyterian Church didn't agree with it either. Uh, the Presbyterian Church then, over a period of years, argued very strongly and eventually negotiated what were in effect Presbyterian national schools. Anybody could go to them what they were designed by and for Presbyterians. So the Presbyterian children went to those schools, the Anglican children went to the Church of Ireland schools, and there's nobody left to go to school with the Catholics. That's how we got a separate Catholic school system, because the older churches wanted their schools. So we had a denominational system then from 1840s for the rest of the century. In 1923, the First Minister of Education in Northern Ireland, Lord Epilomenday, the Unionist member of Parliament, uh, he was the Minister of Education and passed an Education Act in 1923 and again, he wanted a system where, uh, that would have all children going to the same schools. And he, and there were two parts of the act. One of it uh, forbade denominational teaching of religion during school hours, or by the school principal and, and paid hours. And also, um, he, for, the act forbade discrimination on the grounds of religion in the appointment of teachers. So that was really passed in 1923. But then there was a there was a, a, a lobby of uh, ministers led by the Reverend Corky, uh, Presbyterian minister, but also Church of Ireland ministers, Church of Ireland people, and uh, Methodist people. And in two years, they uh, got the, the Lord Craig Avon to, um, to bring in an ending bill, which abolished those two things. And so, so they could discriminate on appointing of teachers on the basis of religion, and 
they could bring in uh, religious teaching, denomination teaching during school hours uh, in 1925. So the Catholic Church had continued with its own schools and never gone into that system. And so we, the, the, the system that we have today was set firmly embedded. 1974, the first parish sharing executive uh, in his program for government uh, had integrated education. And, um, you can read about this in Paddy Devlin's uh, memoir, Straight Left. Um, and so three times the Whig government in the 1830s, the Unionist government in the 1920s, and a parish sharing government in the 1970s all tried to do it and all failed. So a group of parents then said, if the churches aren't going to do it, the government is going to do it, we do it ourselves. And it was all children together, so that in 1981, they went back in college without any government support and in the face of some hostility, in fact, from various quarters. And that was exactly 150 years after the government had tried to create the kind of schools that Lagan College were, uh, was only doing in, in uh, 1981. And public opinion was also changing over that time. Um, in the 1970s, the 80s, and since then, uh, inter-church schools have now uh, started to come up in the work. In fact, I'm editing a new edition of the International Directory of Joint Protestant Roman Catholic Schools, Colleges and Universities. Uh, there are several dozen of them, there's 45 in the, in the new edition, um, but none yet in Northern Ireland. There's, there's one in the Republic. But public opinion is also changing. One example of that is that, again, in my own city, the Derry Journal in 1977 had an editorial severely criticising nationalist councillors for not defending Catholic schools. That was 1977. 2016, subsequently, they're now saying that children should all go to the same schools. That would be an indication of um, how the change in public opinion. So, so I'm happy to discuss any of those three areas. Why, why reconciliation? What reconciliation does? The cost and the history of how we got to where we are today. Um, but I, I, I'm not sure that I have any time left now, but there are about a dozen issues there within the review of education report that I, I, I want to raise, um, and I'm happy to do that as time as well. Thank you, Chair. Tom, I have you down as a, as a very short minute or two left here. Are there any key, key points of the report you want to point to before we start well, questions? The, the first thing I think you may have mentioned it, uh, before the meeting began, that the, the request that this whole report would be provided to the proposed independent uh, review of the reform of education under the new decade, new approach. And then there are three issues in the report, recommendation two and three, which are kind of connected, and recommendation 38. Um, 38, you mentioned earlier on, uh, I think you may be going to talk to the department about afterwards that, about the teacher exemption from fair employment uh, law. And the, the, the review would ask the committee to support the request to the executive office, which is responsible, as recommended by the Equality Commission in 2004 for post-primary schools, and in 2014 for all schools that that teacher exemption be removed as soon as possible. And then recommendation two and three are that uh, the department bring forward legislation, this would be the Department of Education, to place a duty on the Department of Education and on the Education Authority to facilitate and promote integrated education, but the government must drive it. Uh, it's, it's not enough to leave it to parents to do this on a voluntary basis. Uh, the, the parents have already created 65 integrated schools uh, in various, many of them are controlled integrated schools now, but, but it's not driven by the government and it's left to, uh, to parents to do. Uh, indeed, with 65 schools, the little 
referred to the Orange Community Schools in Northern Ireland and there are grammar schools. There are 67 of them. So the recommendation that the government place a duty on the Department of Education and the Education Authority to, to promote innovative education, the requirement that they report every year, every two years, uh, to yourselves in the assembly, that would be that both of those would be the same as the government's current role to promote shared education or to report on shared education and also to remove the teacher exemption. But I should say that uh, 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 as well as the uh, government spending Thanks very much, Colin. Um, just just over your, your time there. Uh, I'll keep the rest of us, as I said earlier, to seven minutes today, given this, the short time that we have available to us. Can I bring in Deputy Chairperson Karen Mullen, MLA? Good morning, Colin. Delivering 
parallel esteem between different identities and culture this was raised with me quite welcome well um can i commend you to uh, there's an organization called integrated alumni which are the pupils who have been at integrated schools and are now so uh, passionate about it that they've created this group in order to have a lobby for it um they Governments, as I say, I've been trying to do this for nearly 200 years. Everybody accepts that it would be a good idea. It's better not to be separate. Uh, it's better not to uh, just have limited contact. It, it, it's, if, you, if you're only seeing somebody for a minute a week, or, or only one class in the school is seen for another week, then the, the report on shared education does show positive results for that. Um, but to be sitting beside somebody uh, all the time uh, is doing it. There was another quote again from a more well-known quote from a Catholic bishop, Dr. Doyle, in I think 1826 or something, we talked about that he could think, think of nothing that would be more conducive to good relations in Ireland as, as a whole at the time uh, than to have children attend the same school where they would, uh, it was a lovely phrase he used about, where they would share the little intimacies that uh, often last for life. Uh, and I certainly can say not only, I originally thought that the impact of integrated education would simply be on the pupils who go to the schools, but I didn't realize that it affected the teachers, it affected the parents who go to the school, it affected the grandparents. It's just it's just a really good thing. And then and since our housing is so segregated now, that this is one thing that parent people can do without having to change their house. And the the, uh, the, the professor Ian Turner from Queens was one of the people we spoke to and remember that there was a, 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 a quote that she said that um, whereas separating people creates division, she said the divided school system in Northern Ireland is therefore likely to have a detrimental psychological impact, but close contact uh, encourages mutual respect and sharing. So, so yes, I, I certainly, uh, on the basis of my own experience, can say that it does improve community relations uh, uh, and that takes the information I get from people who have been in the schools who about it. But some schools would do it more than others. But it, it's, some, some, some schools would prefer never to raise the issues, and other people would say, no, let's raise the issues and tackle them. So that's a whole issue itself. Yeah, Colm, I think it's around increasing the level of inclusiveness. Um, I am a great supporter of the shared education uh, work on the project that's gone. But the more that I see, the more that I go out to meet with uh, children and, and school teachers and families and all, it just proves everything that you're saying. It needs to be embedded. We need to have that closer contact um, for, for our children. So uh, I would like to see, honestly, in the next number of years going ahead and the independent review that's coming out that um, we would see a greater change going forward in relation to that and it's a real opportunity for us all to work together in, in relation to the independent review so thank you once again Colin Chair, that's me. Thanks Karen. Robin Newton. Thank you and uh, thank uh, Mr. Callum for joining us at the committee. It's, uh, I have to say it's a fairly easily read report, so I congratulate you on that. You, 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 you placed uh, uh, three recommendations, you, you 2, 3 and 38. Uh, recommendation 2, 3 and 38. Could I ask you maybe to expand a bit on recommendation 38? Um, uh, and how that might be achieved. Uh, and if I could ask you, recommendation 16, 
um, which speaks about the potential of moving towards a model whereby it commissions sixth form places on an area basis and indeed what the implications for the area planning uh, might be in, in, in that recommendation. Okay, Mr. Young, thank you very much. Um, the, the first one in recommendation 38 is about the, the teacher exemption. Yeah. And uh, all we were simply doing was taking up the report of the Equality Commission in 2004 and then repeated in 2014 and saying that uh, they say that uh, this exemption should be removed, that it does not helpful, and that it's against uh, the, the policy of the Equality Commission on the Fair Employment Legislation. So they, in 2004 they said it, it should be done at post-primary level and my understanding is that it's very little used uh, at post-primary level uh, and excuse me, there, were, um, there was a presentation uh, by the Council of Catholic Tate Schools to your education committee uh, several years ago and the, the, the NCB executive of CCMS and a colleague both said that they did not need or want uh, the exemption uh, at post-primary level. My, my understanding is that that is not quite the policy of, of uh, CCMS board, but it's, it's on record uh, when I'm saying it. And um, it's, it's, the recommendation is not, of course, to the Department of Education, it's to the executive itself, uh, uh, and that would be the office of the executive that would uh, have to respond to it, it's, it's not in your jurisdiction, and that would mean simply that teachers uh, would be included in fair employment legislation, schools would be employed, would be included in it. So it would, it would mean that there would be a greater uh, opportunity for mixing at staff level. And I've long held the view that if you, if you mix the staff in a school, a whole lot of other things flow from that. But, um, I remember Professor John White many years ago with, with Queen's and UCD saying that the problem about having separate education was, was the, the unspoken agenda, and that was just the assumptions. Um, the, 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 different things would not be challenged in different schools. The different comments in a staff room in one school would not be challenged in a, in a, or would be challenged in another school, but because we live in such separate bubbles all the time, uh, that it's important to break that and all we were doing in the report was saying we, we accept and support and encourage uh, the executive to uh, remove that um, exemption of, of teachers. Uh, your uh, recommendation 16 then, that was taken from, um, uh, that was copied from the recommendations of the, the Salisbury report, Sir Robert Salisbury a few years ago, um, who said that the department should consider moving towards a model where all school, you, you, that you would have independent sixth form colleges, uh, basically, and that these would care for all people within the area. Now, a whole lot of schools would have difficulties with that because the, uh, the, the per capita budget that they get for sixth formers is, is enormously important to a whole lot of schools. But from an education point of view, from a community point of view, we endorsed Sir Bob Salisbury's recommendation, that's what it was. And the question then about what that would do for area planning, uh, the, the problem with area planning at the moment is, uh, as one of the 
things that because uh, of the race more than once that have been that has been raised as an annual committee on the, on the assembly floor that uh, a problem has been that with the, the education planning is operating in silos and that to date the controlled sector has been uh, rationalizing itself and the Catholic sector has been rationalizing itself and Oxford uh, University uh, uh, we mentioned earlier on that they, they, they read reports of table showing, for example, that there were 32 pairs of schools in rural areas which were close to each other, within, within something just within yards or a mile of each other, and, and more than three miles away from other schools of the same sector. And that they were saying, would it not be useful for the local community and for the children in those schools to form one integrated or jointly managed school uh, in, in, that, in that village, as it mostly were, Rather than uh, do it on a secular basis, so that, that remains a problem. But um, area area planning is not working as well as one may have hoped, uh, and the <coughs> they would have to, right, as recommended by the Salisbury Committee. Thank you, Chair. Thanks, Robin. Dan Daniel McCrossan, MLA. Thank you, Chair, and uh, thank you, Colin. You're very welcome to the committee, and thank you for your presentation. Um, Colin, uh, just in relation to growth in integrated schools, it's been very limited with the number of uh, transition schools having relatively low numbers of pupils from the minority community. Uh, why do you think, Colin, uh, changing the religious balance criteria currently set out as low as 10%? of the minority community to a balance that reflects the religious balance of the community and the school serves as, as an appropriate way forward and would this not permit a school to operate with a religious balance as low as one percent in some situations surely this sort of religious mix would make the concept of intermediate education meaningless it's a bit of a challenge question but it just I just understood that i think the, uh, um, the, the, the first recommendation was uh, done on the basis of what was being reported to us from the Northern Ireland Council for Integrated Education and the Integrated Education Fund, uh, that there, there are quite a lot of parents now who do not want to uh, adopt any religious label at all, uh, and, and children of mixed marriages are, uh, have to decide whether they are Catholic or Protestant in, 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 in the term of mixed marriage. And there are an increasing number of people who are now Catholic or Protestant coming into the community. So they wanted uh, to review the existing legal definition of integrated education to say, to say that what was, dis, what was defined in 1989 is now no longer appropriate 40 years later, 30, 30 years later, uh, in the light of the change thing. But I absolutely take your point, uh, and I would refer back to my comment that um, if you have mixed staff in a school, then everything changes, the, 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 the atmosphere changes, and what, what, what is talked about changes and what is talked about changes that where you have a, where you have mixed an adult where you have a mixed adult group in the school the the, the conversation changes and that and that impacts on the, on the children but there are, there are areas in Northern Ireland where it would be extremely difficult to have an integrated school as at present where you have a, 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 a control school with no or very few Catholics in it or a Catholic school with no more very few Protestants and there are so many reasons why that was not going to happen. I remember when we were trying to uh, support a group of parents in, in Carrick Ferguson when you 
seven times refused to approve it on the grounds that they thought they would never have a vote. So you're absolutely right to pinpoint an issue. But if we had if we had a united system, then uh, some of those some of those difficulties just disappear. Okay. Uh, you mentioned area planning earlier. Uh, why do you believe area planning uh, processes constrains growth in the community education hub? Well, to date it has been done, as has been said in the assembly, it has been done in silos. The, the, the uh, control sector is making itself more efficient uh, by uh, a market and closing down smaller schools, and the capital sector is doing the same. Um, there, there is no uh, uh, suggestion that if one of the recommendations that we have made, and can give you the number um, that uh, recommendation 11, that all development proposals for closures or amalgamations of existing schools should be required to demonstrate explicitly that they have given meaningful consideration to an integrated jointly managed and jointly Catholic Protestant Church money or a shared proposal. Um, that, 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 Within the sectors, that, within the big sectors that we have now, that option is not seriously considered, and we lost that it should be. Okay. And uh, also, can, can you advise in general terms, Colin, what do you believe the actual unmet demand for community education is? How many additional places or new integrated schools or B schools would be needed? Well, if you if you take the uh, again the. Statistical Research Agency's report of the last year, November last year, uh, they said that 68% of respondents want mixed religious schools, so two thirds of the population, and even break that down, 65% of Catholics and 68% of Protestants, and 75% of people with no religion who responded said that they wanted. So that would indicate that, that, that the, the trend that those parents started in 1981 would, would just keep going, that there is an increasing uh, demand for it, there's a preference for it. But I remember when <laughs> the time of hearing cats uh, trying to get difficult uh, people with different views together. I must say, I found when, when we were doing this report, it was like hearing steamrollers. They're, they're an enormous situation, they're enormous institutions at the moment, and just the inertia of the status quo to try to change that. But governments have tried, as I say, three times over the last 200 years to do it, and, and now the job falls to the, the, into the lap of yourselves and the Education Committee and the Assembly as a whole. Yeah, uh, thank you for that. I just wondered as well, what, why, why do you think that 9% of your business are in play? Um, well, one of the things that we did with, uh, uh, when we spoke to the um, Education Authority, Mr. Gavin Boyd was the chief executive at the time. And I always remember him saying that we did ourselves, the integrated schools movement did itself no favour by allowing failing schools to try to be integrated as a last resort. And there are certainly occasions where that has happened. Um, and once a school is in that kind of serious decline, parents don't want to get into it. And, and, that's, and that's a major part of that reason. But yes. sort of, there are areas where. Um, I can think of one area where an integrated school opened and three years was funded entirely by the integrated education fund and it closed because people in that area were not going to were not going to go to it. Yeah, no, I, I think if you're honest, I'll that comment because I haven't looked at the schools are feeling that we're moving towards more integration by saving the schools as opposed to actually 
contributed education. Just a, another point I know the chair is going to hammer me here shortly on time, but the independent report refers to a previous quality commissioner view of the religious designation of teachers uh, in uh, mainland maintained and controlled schools. The quality commission based its findings on a sample of schools as the department of education does not gather statistics on the religious background of teachers. But the independent report recommends changes and a review uh, of the FETO exemptions for schools. Do you think that the Department of Education should undertake 100% out of teachers in order to determine their religious background and the true level of inclusion amongst teaching staff in all of our schools? And finally, would it be a desirable thing uh, to have a training program in diversity and inclusion for new and existing teachers in order to ensure that the culture of schools is welcoming for all sectors of our community? He usually does, Colin. The last one, one of our recommendations was that in 37, that all student teachers being educated here should have substantial meaningful cross community professional training, including cross community contact. So, yes, and to encourage uh, the schools to do, to do that, that, that was uh, part of the reason for removing it from the fair employment legislation. Um, the, the first part, um, if schools, if the teacher exemption for fair employment was removed, then currently all, all companies as an art, as a, with more than is it 15 or 25 people have to do an annual return to the uh, Equality Commission about their staffing and that, that would do the job. Okay, thanks. thanks for that Daniel, that's you, time up. Uh, is Robbie with us yet? Robbie Butler. Yes, sir. Thanks, Robbie. Thanks, Daniel. Yeah, I'm not saying it's the the Department has repeatedly said 
that that could not be allowed to happen because that would undermine the very purpose for it, for a special school being a special school. But you're absolutely right. They, in, in effect, uh, they have always been supervised. Okay, and as a policy, do, do you think that's a, that's a reasonable policy that the department have a call? The well-being of the children in the special schools gets priority. I think that in most cases they would actually just meet it on a de facto basis. I would, I would hate to be juggling with the designation of a school uh, in any way that would disadvantage any of the children who should be in it. Okay, no problem. Um, the, the Department Chair of Education and Community Relations to call them diversity policies are designed to improve relations between communities by educating children and young people from different backgrounds and traditions to develop self-respect and respect for others and promote equality and to work to limit discrimination by providing formal and non-formal education opportunities to build relationships. Do you think that shared education projects will lead to greater informal and formal integration of the Northern school system? Uh, well, yes, in theory, I mean, that's what everybody believes, and that's why the government's putting 285 million pounds into it over, over that six year period that I mentioned. Um, yes, we're absolutely better having shared education than not having shared education, but I think that the difference between shared education, which is limited contact between a limited number of children over a limited period, uh, is, is just so much less wonderful than having children sitting beside each other on the desk all that time. So, so it's, it's better than not having it, but it's not anything like as good as having children sitting together in the same school for one time. You don't have to mix it up the adults. It's, it's better for the children, it's better for the community. Uh, um, just as I want to ask you, just ask one, one, one last one, if that's okay. Um, so, I looked at the important for you to pick up more views, language is sometimes unhelpful, because we can measure it in terms of whether it's from a Protestant background, a Catholic background, or neither. But the reality is that it's not about that religious thing. We could badge it on instead of talking about faith. So, the Christian thought extends across, regardless of whether you're Christian, you call yourself Protestant, Catholic, or neither. Or, or other. Um, with regard to then this, the, the, trying to establish to get a, a joint faith school, um, communicate how they would be managed um, for, you know, to, to respect people's diverse faith within this environment? Yeah, well, firstly, the only thing, I mean, I, we use a religious label for what is largely not a theological issue at all, it's about identity yeah. and nationalism and, and opposing nationalism. Um, but they, I, I've done quite a lot of work uh, of research about joint church schools. I don't know if you're here when I mentioned that I edited the first international directory of joint Protestant Catholic Roman Catholic Schools, Colleges and Universities in 2007, and we're bringing out a new one uh, now in the new year, published by NICE. Um, and they, the, 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 you have, in, in those cases, essentially, uh, people from the Roman Catholic tradition come together with people from various Protestant traditions. And they do it by agreement. And to use the expression of a teacher in Australia, a principal in Australia, that we build on what we have in common. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I think our principal in England saying uh, the Anglican children are no less Anglican and the Roman Catholic children are no less Roman Catholic. But they both understand and appreciate each other and understand each other better what does it. So it's uh, it, it's it's uh, obviously a sensitive thing. And it's done, it has to be done by people who want to do it. That's the issue. Um, they, there's only one example on this island, that's a school in Quinty Leash, 
least with, um, but otherwise what, what the, we've done that and most of these schools are in England and most of them will be Anglican and Roman Catholic coming together but there are also examples of other of, of Quakers in, in Australia there's a lot of United Reformed Church uh, involved in doing it uh, those can only happen where people want to do it you can't, you can't force uh, that but the leadership if, uh, if it's coming from within the churches then it can happen Thanks, Robbie. Is William there, Clark? No. Okay. Uh, Justin McNulty. Thank you, Chair. Hi, Colin. Thanks very much for coming on board today. Your presentation was detailed and inspired and with powerful rationale. Um, I can't stop to think today of your cities. Adam's greatest son, the late John Hume, he placed a huge value in education, which is about more than the ables. He taught us that a good education can unlock potential, elevate people out of poverty, and help people with aspirations, the aspirations of people and communities. And he was a reconciler from the start. When others were taken and murdered, he was reconciled. Um, can I ask a couple of things? You've highlighted the work ensuring education versus integrated education. Do you think ensuring education is an admission that integrated education, by suggesting in some areas, is difficult to sell in other areas? Um, yeah, I, I, I think for a lot of people, it's easier to, for everybody, it's easier to have shared education than to try and uh, change the whole structure of education across Northern Ireland. Um, and it's better than not having it, but as I said, it, it, it's like the gold standard is to have all the children in the same school all the time and not be depending on, on, on subsidy to, to do so. But it, the, the, the precise answer to your question then is it an ambition? Um, I'm not sure whether you said it was an ambition of, of reluctance or ambition of failure, but um, ensuring education is easy uh, to add on to the existing structures. Integrated education requires significant change. I don't know if that answers your question. And if I could quote Darwin, it's not the, it's not the uh, strongest who survive or the fastest who survive, but the people who are, who are most open to change. Okay, and in terms of, I love your metaphor, your comedy, you mentioned hurting steamrollers and the inertia of the status quo, right? We've heard a lot of people know we're turning the status quo, but in my mind, the status quo is very much returning the stomach back to the same old ways, as was evidenced by the, the, the opposition to bringing through more transparency in the chamber yesterday. And um, so the status quo has returned. Um, can you give me a view in terms of how the status quo can be exploded in a powerful, positive way to prevent the, this, the continuance of inertia between Two blocks, which is hold us all back, holds back in education. How can that should be broken down? Well, uh, Ambassador Reese said it was up to the lawmakers at the churches and civic society. Um, there's there's a lovely anecdote which I think of from time to time. A person we did to talk to President Lyndon Johnson when he was the president of the United States. They went into the Oval Office and they, and they put him on it for 15 minutes, and at the end of that, Johnson said, "Okay." I absolutely accept your argument. You've completely convinced me. Now go out and force me to act. So I would ask yourselves on the committee, how can we 
in the civic community, I would say, civic society, help you to bring the changes that you want? And in this case, how can we uh, increase the, 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 the public support for the, the major changes, specifically in, in what we're talking about today in terms of uh, bringing together two parallel school systems? You the budget that you're scrutinising every year is two billion pounds. We spend most of that, sorry, we spend most of a billion on the control sector and most of a billion on the Catherine Maintain sector. And, and then we spend 285 million pounds trying to get them to contact. And any any accountant will tell you that that's that's the economics of fantasy land. Would you not would you not get them into one system? Um, so if I I will do what I can in the outside world to keep the issue on the agenda and to encourage people to make change. Uh, I, I, I will shortly send each of the members of your committee a copy of Jonathan Barton's book, The, the, the Struggle for Shared Schools in Northern Ireland. Shared Schools is what he used to call educated schools before, it, before Shared was given a different label. Um, but I, I will do it on the outside uh, and support and encourage the, the MLAs who want to make the change inside. Okay, in order to overcome the opposition to the growth of integrated education come. Do you think that, um, as Macy indicated in 2016, there is a need for a patents day inquiry to degenerate, to sorry, desegregate schooling here and to tip into public ownership of all public funded schools? Uh, well, uh, you can imagine the, the issues of the libraries and the complications of doing it to get the community to want to do it. Um, but, but according to the, old, the statistics research agency, two-thirds of the population wants it to happen. They want that to happen. They may not have thought about you get from where you are now to get to that situation, but that's, that's the job. Um, I've spent several decades at this work myself just as a volunteer. And uh, it, I mean, it's coming. It's coming now. It will continue to come. The, the, the issue, I suppose, is how we can assist members of the assembly who want to make it happen uh, to, to assist and encourage them to, 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 make, to create that change in society. And you, your predecessors in 1831 and 1924 uh, came up with uh, theological issues about it, really. Um, theology and I, I suspect politics as well. And then in 1974, uh, when the first sharing executive, when your also unionist, SDLP, and the they also wanted to come to the strike stop that, which has nothing to do with education, but that, that, that program for them disappeared. So, the outside world working with the elected representatives is, is the way we do it. You are the people who have the legal power to do it. Well, your words are inspiring, Colin, and you know, no better person to have us to lead us along the way, and you're doing that certainly uh, positively or powerfully, so I commend you that, Colin. These credit uh, policies are designed to improve relations between our communities by educating children from different backgrounds to develop self-respect and respect for others to promote, promote equality and to work to eliminate discrimination. Do you think ensuring education has ability to create a formal and informal integration on our school system? Uh, yeah, well, well, everyone hopes yes, and the results of, from the departments, the Department of Education has to submit a report every year to the Assembly. And if you look at the report in 2016 and in 2018, they, they show uh, graphs of the reaction of people and I watch the many people that made friendships or some people. There's always people who, uh, it's encouraging if you, if you 
if you look at the results of the people who take part in shared education. But I think it was your own party leader who said that the, the big doubt about uh, uh, shared education is that if the government stopped giving the 285 million pounds, will the schools continue to Who would pay for some to a teacher? Who pays the bus fare to get children from one place to another to another school and get them back in? Those are the issues. So it has to be subsidised in order to do it. Whereas if the children run it under the same roof and behind the same desk, at the time it happened anyway. Okay, the final question, the two-thirds of the population call want to see integrated education. Why do they vote as they do? Um, I, I don't have to ask you why the people are voting. Uh, the way that you would like them to vote is it, um, there's most, most people, most people just make do and get on. They're, they're concerned about bread on the table in the morning. They're concerned about getting to work. They're concerned about their health. And they're not, they're not, the population is not going to sit down every morning and say, I wonder how it can be about the education system today or about anything else. So a lot of people, it's, as, as I say, it's that phrase, the inertia of the status quo, just it worked. It was okay for my father and mother, it would be okay for me. There are other things that are more pressing issues. But um, if, if, if we had tomorrow a United School system, I think there'd be very few people who say, no, no, I want to back it. I don't like the system, I want to back it up. But most people, as, as any elected representatives know, have uh, a plethora of things on their mind apart from the policy issues that the elected representative has on his or her mind. Well, maybe sometime in the future, Tom would have a sunny deal for so large moment where we can say we got there. Thanks, Justin. Thank you. Uh, Morris, Morris Bradley. Yeah, thanks, Chair. Uh, apologies, Colin, for missing the start of your, your presentation, but I got an of it, and I can assure you that uh, I would be a supporter of integrated education, a strong supporter, but certainly not this current form, which I believe is wrong. Uh, I've always believed in the power of sport to break down barriers. Uh, we can play together, we can live together, used to be my mantra. But we can even get to into education if we can learn together. Um, then we can live together as well. Uh, in my opinion, all schools should be integrated and we do not need another tier of education in the country. Uh, could I ask what would be the benefits of one education system with a shared curriculum and all the existing sectors merging into one sector? What would be the benefits of one shared system? That, that would be what I'm working for. I've no difficulty how, it, how it's operated, how it's structured, who's, who's, what, what, what it's called. Uh, or who manages it, but get the children into the same desk. I think we're you're pushing an open door. I mean, I, I, don't, I, don't, I have no difficulty with it. Yeah, well, I apologize if you've already covered that in your presentation. I don't something I think strongly about. Uh, and also, uh, Colin, what would be the financial benefits to the Education Authority? You partially answered that question to Justin of the simple breakdown of cost, but what would be the financial benefits? Well, I, I, I don't know if you're here when I talked about the fifty-seven million pounds. Um, no. the, there were two. There were, there were two professional estimates done of the cost of Northern Ireland running a, 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 a divided education system, two parallel systems. And sorry, the, the, there were two surveys done of the whole, the cost of division as a whole. One was done by uh, Deloitte for the Northern Ireland office in two thousand and seven, and one was done by Ulster University in twenty sixteen. Um, and they, well, the political situation had changed quite a lot between 
Interestingly, in both cases, uh, Deloitte and the economists in the Ulster University Economic Policy Centre both came to, a figure, to two figures that were very close to each other. And that was, if you, if you, they were both set was about 50 million pounds a year, both set 54 million, one set 58 million, I think. But if you, if you, if you look for a median cost, uh, the, between the two of them, um, then the, the, what, what these professional economists say, having looked at the, the structure of education and the cost of education and where money is spent in education, uh, they say that, uh, the median, the median issue would be 57 and a quarter million pounds every year. Now you have to get to that, of course. You've got a whole lot of school buildings that are complicated at the moment. And, and that's only a median cost. They also encourage people said it could be as low as 14 million saving, but it could be as big as 92 million saving. But, if you, but that's where I that's where I place that figure. So that's more than a million pounds a week. And that's only between 2 and 3 percent of the Department of Education budget every year. Presently, but over a period, of the, the, the figure that I quoted was if you take that from the Belfast Good Friday Agreement in 1988, that's more than a quarter billion pounds. And every week, you have people coming to you looking for more money in various sectors in education. But, but that's a million pounds a week that, that a professional economist say we would be saving if we had a single unified system, whatever it's called, whatever it is. Just one final one, uh, Chair. Well, sir. Yes, Morris, go ahead, yeah. Oh, I, I believe that segregation has actually been kept alive by politics, which by nature itself uh, is divisive. Uh, in your experience, is there a political will, never mind within the education system, for real meaningful change throughout Northern Ireland? Do you think our politicians, myself included, have the backbone to actually get this to the line? Which you have the honour 
moment we've been elected representative both shows the difficulties of it that we can have no assembly for three years because of difference but it also shows that the wish of people like yourselves and the other members of the committee and of the assembly floor um, to try and find a, and try and find a way forward um, but we have that we, we, we let ourselves be pulled in two different directions the only the final word i would say on this is that um, You'll be aware that the, the public opinion polls show that there are now three groups in Northern Ireland. There are the people who identify strongly as Irish Unionists, people who identify strongly as Irish and Nationalists. But there's now this very large group in the middle who say, no, no, we're neither. And those are the people who will, who will have the casting vote in the future of Northern Ireland. And, and those are the people, uh, if you look at that again, the, the statistics for people who voted. Uh, Mixed religious schools for their children. The, the highest percentage was people of no religion. Seventy-five percent of them wanted it. Um, so I think I think there's hope. I think that, that you and the people around the table with you, um, or people at home with, uh, uh, with you this morning, that you are the people who show the leadership and the, and the words that you've said. I would regard as hopeful and aspiring as well. That we we can work together and we should work together. I can give you dozens of quotations of people along those lines of reconciliation, but. But yes, the future is there if we have it. And just one final thing on that is that the report actually had uh, fostering innovation in our schools. And there's a lovely uh, uh, comment, probably one of them was innovation centres uh, for people. So they're in schools and an enterprising centre. And the quote was from the then director of Catalyst Inc., uh, Steve Orr, um, uh, at Queen's University. If we make the change to education, we will rule the world. That's the kind of expression Thank you very much, Carl. Thank you, Chair. Thanks, Morris. Thank you, Mr. Thanks. Just before I round up, folks, uh, Robin just wanted a very brief final question there. Yeah. Yes, thank you, Chair. And I, I opened my remarks by saying it was a very easily read report, and uh, it is, but perhaps you would comment. I'm trying to find within it where there's uh, the mention to uh, those who wish to be educated and immersed in the Irish language and how they might be facilitated within an integrated system. Yeah, um, <laughs> the, 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 when there are more than one language in society, this is always an issue. Uh, I, I have some experience of it from, from Canada, between the, the French-speaking and the English-speaking people. You know the people in Wales, the, the Welsh-speaking and the English-speaking people, and in Scotland, uh, again, the, the small number of people who speak Gaelic, etc. There's an issue there, and uh, I'm not quite sure how you tackle it, um, but uh, I'd be happy to, to look at that specific question. What we did in the report was really look at society as a whole. The, if, if people wish and have the right to be educated in their native language, um, then Western society says you have the right to do that. And um, how, how are you? Connect them. Interestingly, um, th this issue arose many years ago, about 19, early 1990s, when there were people in Derry, London, Derry, who wanted to start a, 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 an Irish medium post primary school. And they asked one of the, they, they approached the people to connect with a provincial college and they said, could we somehow connect with yourselves? And we said, well, the requirement that we have is that there must be a balance of the community 
how you include people who speak a different language uh, in, the, in the mainstream and not let them become isolated and in, a, in, a, in a bubble of them. There, there's, you're, you're raising a really serious issue, Mr. Neil, and I absolutely agree. Okay, thank you, Chair. Okay. Against all better judgment, Daniel McCrossan has asked for a brief supplementary. Daniel, don't let me down. He'd not be as brief as I was. Yeah, I'm timing him. Go. Chair, thank you very much for uh, me. And also, I just want to put on record my thanks to Colin because I did find this presentation very, very interesting and there are huge challenges. And it does show how far we've come, Chair. When I hear Mr. Newton defend the Irish language and Chair's concerns. I'm not sure he was, but okay. <laughs> So, uh, I, just I believe in equality. <laughs> right, question, Daniel? Or is that you? That's... <laughs> is that you finished, Daniel? Yeah? Um, yes. Okay, thanks. Um, Colin, uh, I, I obviously have to balance my role as chair as well as being an, an Alliance Party MLA, but um, for the avoidance of any doubt, um, from an Alliance Party perspective, we, um, the report is welcome. Um, we, we obviously have a long-standing position um, that for an education system to separate children <coughs> as young as five on the basis of community or religious background is socially and financially flawed. Um, and our position is, is long-standing work towards an integrated system of education um, where children um, of different backgrounds and abilities are all educated together. So I, I welcome the report and I, I welcome the commitment in the new decade, new approach um, for the independent review of education um, to consider a single education system based on children and young people of different backgrounds in the classroom together. Um, interestingly as well, Colin, the, uh, you alluded to many other previous reports that have made recommendations in relation to integrated education. One of the clearest was the Fresh Start panel report on the disbandment of paramilitary groups in Northern Ireland in May 2016, which says the executive should set ambitious targets and milestones to measurably reduce segregation in education as quickly as possible. Um, we have the Department of Education briefing us next. Your report was 2015, is that correct? Yeah. 2016. 2016, okay, as was the Fresh, Fresh Start panel. So we're four years on. What What is your assessment of the implementation of your report, the implementation of clear recommendations like that of the Fresh Start panel that said ambitious targets and milestones to measurably reduce segregation in education as quickly as possible? What What's your assessment of the education the department of education and the executives implementation of your recommendations and, and the recommendations of other reports in relation to tackling <coughs> that segregation and promoting integrated education um, well uh, i think the department could do much more uh, than it has done but the, the, i suppose the, the primary issue is that is that very first one i mentioned again that the department does not have a duty to promote integrated education the way it has a duty to promote shared education and, um, and also to report every two years on, on progress to the assembly. So if those two, uh, if, that, if, if they were responsible for promoting it, uh, then I think it would, it would clarify the issue and would, would help them to set targets. But they would have to set 
set targets that uh, you and, and your colleagues in the assembly uh, can drive forward and vote to meet. Um, I, I know that then there, there are a lot of things in the board that are, are kind of technical issues as well that the department could do that um, removing financial incentives to share education partnerships that actually much more further and, and, and combine uh, and, the, and uh, where a development proposal is approved uh, for a new independent school that there shouldn't be a capital liability created that way. Regulations 13 and 28, um, where there's clear demand for an independent preschool provision uh, that it should receive funding. Um, that's recommendation eight, even if uh, there are vacancies in other places. So if a child wants to go to a Catholic school, they're not told it's okay, there's no space here, but you go to that control school. Or if a child wants to go to a control school, they're not told, they're not told sorry, you can't take it, but you can go there. But, but every year, hundreds of children are turned away uh, from post primary schools in Northern Ireland, I think six or seven hundred uh, in the most recent figures. And they're turned away, and they're just told, sorry, there's no. There's no space in the sector that you ask, uh, so just go to another sector because you're too far away from uh, from any alternative. So uh, I think the question is: Does your committee, does the Department of Education, does sorry, does the Assembly want to have integrated education? And if they want to have it, we find a way. We find. Okay, and let me let just to supplement that question briefly, Colin. Then. I could talk to you about the recommendations all day, but you have, you, you focus in on a couple. Um, and recommend, recommendation two, that recommendation that the Department of Education brings forward legislation to place a duty on the Department of Education uh, and the Education Authority and a power on all arm's length bodies to encourage, facilitate and promote integrated education. It, it's my understanding that the Department of Education um, has has not actioned that recommendation and has potentially stated that it's the role of NICE to progress that recommendation despite reference to legislation. Have you had feedback from the Minister of Education, the Department of Education um, on on any of the recommendations but particularly those that you've highlighted as most important? No, we haven't. The, the reason I highlighted those three at the start is they require legislative change. Other, other, other things. The department can do uh, within within its own regulatory uh, framework, um, but for 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 that one, legislation is required to add the word promote uh, as it did with shared shared education. And when the Shared Education Act was going through um, bill at that stage, was going through the assembly, the issue was raised by an MLA to, that the shared education. Act was going to encourage, facilitate, and promote shared education. And they said they asked that the education reform order be amended by including the word act as well and put it into the, into the shared education act. And, they just, uh, and the response from the, uh, in the assembly debate was no, that's a separate issue. We're, we're just talking about shared education. Here. I mean, it could be done, but it requires, it requires legislative change to, to do that and to ask the, the Department of Education to have a, 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 a twice a two yearly report on progress just as the issue about um, fair employment legislation requires legislative change by the executive office um, i have not had a response from the, the uh, department of education um, about, about any of those issues um, okay you're you're the, the first people to ask me for a formal discussion to ask us for a formal discussion myself and professor Tom. 
Wait, so the Department of Education hasn't hasn't met with you to discuss these recommendations? Well, uh, there, was, there was discussion at a very early stage when you get the report to be met the minister, but after that, uh, no follow up. Okay. In terms of um, recommendation thirty-eight, um, that um, there should be a repeal of the exemption of teachers from fair employment and treatment legislation. That is a responsibility for the executive office. Have you had any indication that the executive office is working to bring forward legislation to repeal the exemption of teachers from fair employment? And treatment legislation, which I, I am shocked, still has not been addressed. Uh, well, the simple answer is no, but we did our uh, report uh, at the request of uh, Minister O'Dowd, as the Minister of Education, and then the Minister Weir was the person who was Minister when we gave in the report. We did not have direct dealings with the Executive Office. Okay. Well, look, my, uh, for another forum, but. Uh, my colleague Kelly Armstrong is working on uh, legislation with relation in relation to integrated education, and, and I am uh, scoping legislation in relation to FIDO as well. But um, the committee is extremely grateful for your presentation today, Colin. Um, thank the members for their their questions and for your responses in such a timely manner, given our our, our tight schedule. Um, and certainly, we'll we'll look to remain in contact with you as we look to. Um, progress a, a more integrated education system in Northern Ireland. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mr. Thanks, Colin. Okay, Clark, um, do you want to summarise any uh, actions? Do you want to go on, Chairperson, to the next uh, meeting, then we could uh, we'll summarise afterwards. Okay, no problem. Do I have our, our witnesses with us, Clark? Yeah. Do, yeah. Okay, that's great then. Members, we'll move to agenda item six, which is our oral briefing. Uh, on the Integrated Education Independent Review Report from the Department of Education. Can I ask Assembly Broadcasting to remove all members from the spotlight and to add the witnesses and refer members to a note from the committee clerk at page 280, an updated briefing paper from the department at page 284, a copy of at AQW 8325 at page 292 and previous correspondence relating to Fresh Start at page 293. Can I welcome the following witnesses? Alison Chambers, Director of Promoting Collaboration and Tackling Disadvantage at the Department of Education. Shirley Sweeney, Head of Irish Medium and Integrated Education at the Department of Education. And David Gibson, Irish Medium and Integrated Education team at the Department of Education. You're very welcome and by way of welcome can I say there are a number of education reviews uh, planned, um, progressed or underway including the New Decade New Approach Independent Review of Education, uh, the review of SEA's grade awarding process, the underachievement and deprivation review and a planned review of the Education Authority. I anticipate that this committee will wish to follow up with these different pieces of work and it is important for us to start as we mean to go on by following up on the findings of reports commissioned by the department and finding out how the recommendations are to be taken forward with particular reference today to the independent review of integrated education. Um, can I advise officials um, that the committee will give them 
10 to 15 minutes for an opening statement, followed by questions from the members. Hand over to you, Alison. Good morning, Chair. Thank you very much. Um, we're very pleased to come to talk to the committee today from the department's point of view about the independent review of integrated education. And we would also like to record our thanks to Mr. Kavanagh and Professor Topping for the work that they've put into the review. It's relevant to note that whilst the report was published in March 2017, at this time it was for information only. The recommendations were not formally considered or accepted at ministerial level and that engagement only took place once the Minister of Education had taken up the for this year. Um, the committee will also appreciate that work for all in education has been significantly affected uh, since March of this year by the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. The 39 recommendations contained in the Department of Education are wide-ranging, covering many areas, and I thought it would be useful this morning um, to set out the areas where we have been able to progress work during the time between the report being published and the executive resuming. We are and will remain very mindful of being our statutory duty to encourage and facilitate the development of integrated education. And you will appreciate that in the absence of ministers and an executive, officials were not able to progress any recommendations impacting on legislation or policy. We work very closely with our colleagues uh, and representatives from our arms length body nicely to prioritize the development of new updated guidance for schools seeking to transform to integrated status. Uh, this guidance sets out in a very practical manner clear information about the statutory requirements for transformation, best practice for guidance to parents, what the department will be looking for in terms of development proposals, support for branding and ongoing support for schools once they have transformed, recognising that this is the start of the next part of their journey rather than an endpoint and also setting out where skills can get more information and support and what we've heard from, from stakeholders and NICE and the IAF and practitioners is that this guidance is really welcome and very helpful. Um, we have from an area planning perspective, um, we're now very engaged with NICE as the body funded for and tasked with promoting the development of integrated education. There are a range of area planning groups that NICE is represented on and this means that early engagement and consideration of integrated solutions can be brought forward by them, as well as giving them the opportunity to influence the assessment of need uh, when any in in increases to integrated places are being considered. We also listen to stakeholders about supporting skills for a longer period of time once they had transformed, uh, and we have a fund which skills can now access for five years following transformation previously that had been three. Um, this supports them in a, a range of practical ways, for example, Skills have used this to engage with the local community, leading to good relations, increased admissions and enrollment numbers, uh, and better religious balance. Um, they've used it to provide continuous professional development, support teaching and non-teaching staff, build their capacity to contribute to the implementation of an integrated ethos, and review the curriculum through an integrated lens, and develop pupil conversations, often across religious and social divides. Um, they've used that fund to provide administrative support um, and to build working relationships with other integrated schools. We also now have a shared education and sectoral support team within the Education Authority and feedback from NICE is that this is a very helpful development providing positive points of contact and support for them and benefits for integrated schools in terms of joined up working. Within the department, we've taken the time over the past three and a half years and focused on developing how we work with NICE, 
so that support is provided whenever it is needed on a range of practical queries at an organizational level. Uh, training is provided on requirements of central government, for example, on outcomes-based uh, outcomes accountability training, uh, business case training, um, and we also have our regular governance and accountability review meetings um, with the permanent secretary and our sponsor team, um, David, um, meet monthly with NICE um, uh, and as needed, obviously. Um, and these meetings have continued, albeit remotely, throughout the pandemic. Um, we've taken forward development of a considerable capital programme over the last three and a half years through the Fresh Start. Um, significant investment has been provided and committed to the integrated sector, and we're delighted to see the benefits this investment has brought to date and will bring in the coming years. We progressed our shared education program, which, although separate to integrated education, um, provides us with very useful quality of information uh, about changing attitudes. Um, and since taking up post in January um, this year, the Minister, like yourselves, has been very busy, but we engaged with them at an early stage of the year about the recommendations set out uh, in the Independent Review of Integrated Education. As part of that engagement, we have set out the recommendations in categories where progress has been made, uh, where we would not recommend taking forward certain recommendations, and where progressing the recommendations would best be taken forward as, as part of the forthcoming independent review of education as set out in the New Decade New Approach document. Your written briefing this morning um, provides where each recommendation sits within these categories. Um, and in summary, 11 recommendations have been actioned with a further two within NICE's remit to take forward. The Minister has agreed that a further 11 should not be taken forward. Uh, a number of these relate to Fresh Start Capital Funding, which has specific and set parameters. Others relate to the kite mark concept, which the sector would not consider the most effective means of celebrating integrated success. Still others relate to inspection and policy work that are not sector specific uh, and the Minister has indicated his intention for the remaining 15 to be taken forward as part of the work relating to the independent review of education. So I hope this uh, is a useful starting point to set the context of what we have done to date and how we intend to progress the outstanding recommendations um, and we're happy to take any questions. Thank you. Can I bring in Karen Mullen, MLA? Thanks. Thank you, Chair. Uh, thank you all for your uh, presentation this morning. And I'm here earlier there from, from Colin Chapman uh, uh, in relation to all of the work around um, his report and, and review. Growth in the inter in integrated schools has been fairly limited, particularly in my own city. Or, um, what has the department done to amend the area planning policy in order to encourage and facilitate the integrated provision? Uh, and also, I'd like to ask is it, is it a sustainable policy that schools earmarked for closure can remain open if they transform to integrated status? Um, okay, um, in terms of the area planning policy, I mean that already has to take cognizance of the statutory duty um, to encourage and facilitate um, integrated education, so that's already built into the current process. Um, in terms of the policy on whether schools can remain open, um, I'm, I'm not quite sure, and then we pass to David to take that one. Yes, um, the 
the provision for schools to transform the integrated status of unique to, to that sector, to the integrated sector. And legislation, as currently stated, allows any school, apart from a, a special school, um, to transform the integrated status. Um, there have been a number of schools that, that have been on plan, a year plan for closure, that have chosen um, to, to have a primary vote or go to the board of vote to move toward transformation of integrated status. Um, that is allowed for legislation as it currently stands, and the, the, the department has a duty to allow that to come forward and the decision to be taken um, in context with the other EP for closure of the school. David, thank you. I think it just it, it, it points to feelings for, for parts of the area planning process. Um, you know, just back in locally, we had a school, um, it transferred, it was down for closure, um, it transferred to integrated, um, and it has progressed and all the closing. So it's just not good um, for the children that attend the school, the school community, the parents. When that, when that happens, um, if the school is going to close anyway, so I know this is wider than, than yourselves today and it, it forms the conversations that we're having around the area plan, but thank you for that update. And the area, pre area presentation, um, it just got finished there around the Irish medium, and um, uh, David, do you know that many Irish medium schools are on the the non-denominational? like the one that I sent my children to, so naturally integrated. Um, so there's other models that exist about the integrated sector in that relation. But just wanted to ask, is um, the founding definition of integrated education too narrow now to meet the needs of our increasingly diverse communities? The, the legislation, um, if not members will know, is written that integrated education is education together at schools across the Catholics. And this is an issue that has been raised by many um, of along the lines of those who don't designate as tailored to the same traditions or who choose to designate as other. And the, the legislation is clear on the, the integrated education. And uh, integrated schools are defined in legislation have a particular setup, a particular board of governors, etc., uh, that makes them different for union from other sectors. Um, but yes, we are also responsible for the Irish union sector as well. And uh, yes, it is, it is, it is fact that um, the Irish union sector attracts children from most of the traditions. Yeah. Uh, if I may, morning. Um, in that recommendation um, from Home and Margaret's report, we uh, into the existing legal definition um, is, is among those that the ministry agrees should be uh, considered within the, the wider review of education. That's great. Thank you very much. Yeah, that's me. Thank you. Thanks, Karen. Robin Newton. Uh, thank you, Chair. Uh, I, um, thank you to the panel for joining us uh, this morning. I've, I've just uh, one very short uh, question, really. Um, tell me, what is the gap between the provision of integrated education and the demand for integrated education? Um, well, in terms of um, first preference places, um, in our uh, most recent statistics, um, 471 children 
uh, were not provided with their first choice place in an integrated school. Okay, thank you, Chair. Okay, thanks, Robin. That that data is gathered as part of the Executive Office Good Relation Indicators, Alison, is that right? Um, no, that data comes from um, our own internal statistics um, in terms of um, admissions um, and applications for admissions. Okay. Um, what? Skill admissions team. Sorry, Chair. Skill admissions team would gather that for every school. Um, so they're, they're looking at the pattern across each sector in terms of first preference, final preference, and final admissions. Okay. And what what percentage of applications is four hundred and seventy one? Do you know? Not off the top of my head, but okay. we can get you that figure, Chair. Okay, no problem. Thank you. Um, okay, Robin? Yeah. Yeah, thank you, Robin. Can I bring in Daniel McCrossan? Yeah, uh, thank you, Chair, and uh, thank you to your guests in the department for their presentation. Um, I, I, I jumped straight up immediately. I think a review of the Education Commission by the department was undertaken by two people. One of those was the then president of MICE. Uh, how can you describe the review as independent in those circumstances? Um, I appreciate the question. Um, it predates my uh, arrival in this post, um, and um, I, I take your point. Yeah, uh, it, it, it worries me a lot of things in, in uh, the Department of Education described as independent, and when you scratch the surface, they're not entirely independent. Certainly, this is an example. Uh, in that regard. Uh, I would like an answer to that, though, if you could give me some form of context as to how that happened um, beyond that. <coughs> yeah, we will go back and we'll, we'll look at how the panel was recruited and um, write to you on that. Yeah, I just, I just couldn't understand how that happened. Thank you. Uh, can, can you tell us uh, why further research in respect of the differential outcomes for tolerance and reconciliation for the different school sectors here? will not be taken forward and uh, such research inform the development of shared education and CRED as well as provide us with a uh, perspective on the different sectors? Um, it's not that the recommendation uh, is not being taken forward. Um, uh, I think the recommendation as it's, as it's uh, stated um, is being taken forward. But uh, as you point out, we already have research commissioned um, to look at attitudinal change with the Young Life and Times, Kids Life and Times and specific commission pieces um, for shared education partnerships. Um, so I think it's a case that there's no need to take a recommendation forward, it's already been actioned. Oh, okay, again, that's an uncertain thing as well. So just explain that again, so you are taking the recommendation as written forward, but you are taking the recommendation forward, is that so? <laughs> it's um, it's already been actioned. Um, I suppose you know it's, there's no need for the recommendation because the action's already taking place. And again, when, can you provide me some clarification on that? So that when you're sending me out the detail, I just uh, I would like some more information on that if possible. Uh, another four questions. Um, growth in integrated schools has uh, been fairly limited. The integrated sector contends that the needs model constrains development uh, of new integrated schools as this requires other sectors to sign off a new integrated provision. Now, other people have a very different view as to why there has been such limited growth. What's the Department of Education's view in that regard? And I would be particularly interested uh, uh, in your comment to, for your 
comments in relation to the arrangements with our previous guests, the 9% excess uh, places in the integrated sector overall, uh, the operation of the current area planning process, and finally, the unmet demand that exists in some places, how many additional places the integrated schools would be needed, and then Rob Newton touched on that point just briefly. Um, yes, thank, thank you for the question. The, the limited growth uh, in relation to the integrated sector in schools, it, it's down to um, segregated legislation around parental preference. It's the choice of the parents where they, they send the schools. Um, we, we have had 25 schools that have transformed integrated schools, um, which, which has met some of the demand there. We have a number of development proposals that have been approved for books in integrated schools. Um, the position of integrated schools is, as, 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 as Charlotte has said, it very much appears to be to the east of, of the van, that's the side that, that the majority of, of the schools are located. Um, as regards the era uh, planning process, um, the area planning process, as, as Alison has mentioned, NICE are, are, are represented, NICE set in all those area planning forums. Um, and as with the EAC, CMS, etc., the area planning process for integrated schools is exactly the same as it is for any other school sector. It's by way of a development proposal and case for change consultation. So all views are taken on. On board on that. I'm, I'm sorry, I missed the last point. I didn't know. Um, the excess places and operation of the current area planning process? Yeah, the, the, the excess places, there, there are a number of schools that are bringing forward development proposals to right size, and that would be to decrease the accredited admissions um, because of the, the number of unfilled desks uh, in schools. The integrated sector is not close. And it was touched on um, where some schools are transforming into the stairs. They're flourishing and they're growing. Um, some are, are facing challenges, reaching the numbers. And we, we do monitor the enrollment numbers, both from uh, the release balance side as well. And we both nicely and daily try to address those um, as, as best we can. And that was done through various ways.
school would, would, um, would. However, we have issued a circular, I think that was in 2015, um, and guidance on that. And it, it, I mean, the ethos is described as providing shared education with a Christian ethos, um, with trustee representation, which would be agreed by the transfer church and the Catholic church. Um, and similarities, um, I, I would think, in terms of you know, the, the Board of Governors has to have a balanced representation from both of those main communities. Um, but in terms of the healthy ethos, it's, it's really that's the type of work that we would advise when a school's considering transforming to integration, that um, they would need to be engaging with the, the school community, the wider community. And parents, the board of governors, in terms of building up what that ethos is, there's a there's a large input to come from the ground on that as well. Okay. Daniel, your seven minutes is almost up, so you need to be brief. Go ahead. Well, well, well this is just a, a supplementary to that point. Would the department uh, view the establishment of such jointly managed church schools as a fulfilment of the department's obligation to respect integrated education? No, is the short answer, if, if I may, in terms of the, as it, and it's back to the point, an integrated school is, is very clearly defined in legislation. Um, and so anything that we talk about this morning that would be looking at changing that um, is likely to be taken forward in the wider review of education. So there is an opportunity to consider is that how um, you know, everyone, the wider society here wish integrated schools to be defined. Um, and there's an opportunity coming through that review to, to consider that question. Um, but the short answer to the question is no, uh, is because it is legislated that an integrated school is very specifically defined. Okay. Thanks, Daniel. Thank you. Thanks. Daniel, I'm I must be open and honest. I think it's a shame you didn't give the author of the report an opportunity to respond to your question with regards to their the independence of the report, given you had them in front of you uh, in the last session. But that's a comment rather than a question. Um, a couple of quick other comments as well. David, in response to Daniel's question with regards to area planning, you, I may have um, taken it uh, incorrectly but you seem to suggest that area planning was by sector is area planning not by area yes uh, sorry chair the point i was making was that the managing authorities the sectors are represented on the groups in area planning through your planning to have a seat at the table um, and that was specific in relation to the integrated sector where nicely um, are part of those groups um, and Okay, and what what has the Department of Education uh, done to ensure that there's robust community consultation as part of that area planning process? The area planning, the proposals are, um, as you know, chair consulted on there's a, a, a period. Um, EA, the robot through the EA would also consult on that. Um, the, the specifics of your plan, I'm probably, as, as I said, my area, I, I don't know the, the specific steps, but the consultation is built into that. And the consultation, when we were talking earlier about schools looking to transform the integrated skills, that consultation is key and central to that, and that is about the role that both NICE and the DIF play in supporting schools through that process. So, 
and, and in answer to your question, your planning process, there is consultation built in through that. Um, I don't know the specifics of each um, prepaid okay. being brought forward as to how much the school would consult, but I would imagine it would be consultation by the school, okay. both with um, the, the, the school staff, the pupils, the parents, other schools, okay. which would not be reflected in the case for change for three and then development. Okay, very, very briefly before I bring in Robbie Butler, um, I've, I've heard the term limited growth <coughs> mentioned a, a few occasions. There are integrated schools in Northern Ireland, for example, Lagan College, that I believe is one of, if not the most oversubscribed <coughs> schools in Northern Ireland, correct? Yes, 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 yeah. that would be right, yes. Right, okay. Robbie Butler. Thank you so much, Chair. Thank you. Um, I generally I really hope that I want to talk about you guys. Uh, I'm going to be very brief. Um, and a little bit of background in this to, uh, to the situation of the Lion Valley of Lisbon. Um, so I'm going to use my, the school that I attended previously as an example. So I went to a school called Lisbon Army High School. Um, that school is not an integrated school, however, um, if you compare uh, the intake to that school now in 2020 in comparison with the intake. Uh, was in 1982 and 1983 when I started there. It's completely different, but they didn't have integrated status. But I can assure you um, that it, uh, if it was measured just purely on, on religious uh, grounds, it would probably stack up quite well. So we do hear quite a lot of the um, this, uh, this limitation or the limited uh, uptake of identification. Uh, so my question really is in relation to you, are we measuring? Right thing. So I think everybody would agree we do want our uh, young people to be educated together, but in many ways they are. And it's not just students, students like Valley of Dons at Fort Hill, Laurel um, Hills, Morris, and Friends. Uh, there's, there's no barrier in, in any sense, um, and I think they're incredibly inclusive. So is it the case um, for students that are uh, trying to uh, are actually achieving? academic building high standards that perhaps a further promotion of the inclusive ethos in many what we should be doing and not maybe concentrating so much on the, the, the integrated with the capital I. Means. There, there are a number of schools, um, both in the, the control sector and the engineering sector, that, that do have um, a, for what target means, a balance, a fair balance between the traditional Protestant and the Catholic community. But I think it's much more than that. It's measured all the religious balance. Um, it's about to make up with the speaking staff. It's about integrated ethos. Um, for instance, preferring children for sacraments. The playing of both uh, what we're seeing as the nationalist and Protestant union sports. So there, there's a lot more to it, but absolutely there are a number of controlled and contained schools that have a good mix of traditionally Protestant and Roman Catholic peoples. Yeah, and on that, I would contend that a lot of the things that you alluded to happen in those schools, regardless of not having a capital I or integrated at the start. And I know that the shared, um, the, the, the shared policies and processes of the past have been limited in terms of what they've achieved, but I just wondered, um, uh, is there any way to, to, to get to, to reach all of those targets that you were suggesting as opposed to just reaching for the, the status of integrated? Um, is there another more efficient methodology in it on the employee before and some of the recommendations leaning towards it? Um, but I mean, in, in a complicated sector, um, the integrated badge is another one of those um, just 
Science of the Ocean, you know. Um, I think that the ambient is a very good natural equivalent, and that's called and that's the study that it wants to see the study. Um, and I'm wondering why, what do you think? It depends really what we're talking about measuring. If we're talking about measuring integration in the terms of an integrated school and an integrated ethos, um, it's, it would be around, for instance, changing the makeup of the Board of Governors. But what, what we would say is there have been a number of schools that have successfully transformed um, to integrated status. All schools have transformed to transform to control integrated status. Um, and I think shared education also opens the door to to the, perhaps a path to transformation for some schools. Um, integrated schools are a sector in their own right. They they're defined in legislation, and again, from everything from we talk about religious bonds through to the makeup of the board of governors, uh, a number of other things. That's what an integrated school is. But in integration, we're talking about Protestant Catholics mixing together. Totally exact those go on in Catholic schools and controlled schools on a daily basis. I think this is a conversation we would have with, with NICE um, because yeah. we do recognise that there are schools that are doing absolutely big work out there and do bring um, pupils from uh, you know, a range of backgrounds and communities together. Um, and the conversations we've had with NICE have been around the, the work that is required to actually go through the transformation process or to become an integrated school and the, the value of that um, in terms of clarifying for the school why they wish to do this, what the benefits are, um, you know, what the outcomes are that they wish to see for their pupils. And some of that is much further than, it's, it's the wider conversation um, I think you're referring to, it's much further than looking at the exam results, which are obviously very important, but it's, it's, the, it's the anecdotal, it's the softer um, issues in terms of those pupils and, and um, unfortunately I, I joined the team in January and I was only able to uh, get out to a few schools but in terms of the integrated sector when I did get out to schools what you could really quickly pick up on is the, the ease with which they have conversations that many people in society find difficult about their backgrounds etc so I think that the NICE and our conversations with them have certainly seen the value in the specific transformation process um, to become integrated Right, okay, just add to find a piece of this. Probably a comment you can, you can talk to if you like. So, in the same way, thinking about it from a parental point of view, because obviously uh, parents and students will put the feet and their names on the paper. Um, Board of Governors has got very little to do with anybody's choice of school, as far as, as far as I know, but as a parent, I think. Certainly, you have to look at the curriculum, they look at sporting opportunities, and then probably the, the language piece as well, um, which is important. So, um, I'm not, uh, I think this is really, really important. It's just, I, I, I really hate badges and labels, and like I said, you're meeting with strong people. Um, I think if they were, everything would have got a little more likely. I'm just, I'm still unconvinced as to what needs to change fundamentally. Morris Bradley picked up on it earlier on in 2020. What we can do to encourage people to, to, to embrace perhaps the schools closer to where they live um, as being more important than the amount of master school, but then that picks up again on the, the second, get, uh, second game of where we live. Um, so a lot of our schools are geographically placed in, in, in almost exclusively. Um, uh, uh, either uh, unionist or, or nationalist uh, areas, which makes it uh, slightly difficult. How do you, this was a situation, and what's the case, then how do you measure 
the integrants of partial space of a school, if actually just by geography they're, they're intake is going to be defined by the people that live there? Yes, the, the, the department has, has moved its position and um, understanding that as we go through the journey we to discharge our strategic duties, both the integrated and Irish of education. Um, the, the target that was set, the operation department said that an integrated school would have, have a representation of 40%, um, Protestant 40%, or Catholic 20% other. Um, we fully recognise that due to a number of factors, including demographics, that those actual targets are extremely difficult to meet. So, for a particular area, the minority community representation of pupils at the school of 10% might be uh, reasonable given the demographics of the area. Um, so, absolutely, there are challenges in being an integrated school, not least of which, depending on the location, is attracting pupils from the minority community. But it's not a one size fits all, it has to be. A number of factors are taken into consideration. So we very much look to work with schools um, in conjunction with colleagues in EA and in NICE um, to help those schools who are struggling um, to attract pupils from an Arabic community. But yes, the, the, the location of the school, um, along with other factors, does impact uh, on the ability to attract a balance. Okay. Um, can I ask a brief question um, of Shirley? Um, why why would a, you know a, a school um, described there by Robbie um, that, that people consider or considers itself integrated not want to be an integrated school? What are what are what are the barriers in your experience? I'm not sure I can say with authority. Um, I, I do think that um, education is very emotive, and um, there is that. And it, it was alluded to I think, um, when we were talking to, to Colm earlier. You know, there is the, the family background of parents go to school and children go to the school, and um, people have a very you know a strong attachment and feeling to, to the school and that's where the, the legislative framework within the department that we have is trying to um, facilitate you know where that has to come from parents really um, and so I, apologies chair i'm not sure i'm able to answer your question in any detail but i, I do think it, it's it's such an emotive issue in out on the ground okay um i presume your schools aren't um, mapped as being in a unionist or a nationalist area? No, the, 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 the local public demographics will be taken into consideration when we're looking at schools maybe who are um, having difficulty uh, attracting numbers from a minority community. So, um, you know, that's just I think that will be considered. Um, just going back to the, the previous question, Chair, I think for a moment. What we would say is this transformation process, very much going to transform the degree of yes. um, takes a lot of commitment on behalf of the school, the parents, the staff, and the wider community. It is a long journey, it's a, it's a difficult journey, and community engagement is key to that. But as Shirley has said, we almost 
uh, has to come from either the parents or the board of governors of the school. Um, we've had many successful transformations, and it, it is as if the guidance sets out. It's a, it's a process must be followed, set by the legislation. Okay. Um, Okay, thank you. David, uh, can I bring in uh, William Humphrey, please? Um, thanks, thanks, Chairman. David, can I just ask you, when you were talking about the, the balance uh, in, in terms of the schools and so on and about the sports, um, I have to be honest, someone who's very interested in sport, I don't like sports being given sort of political um, appendages or prefixes, to be honest. Um, uh, you know, sport is sport and, and shouldn't be... Um, described in that way, but anyway, in terms of the 40-40-20 scenario, how many of your schools, integrated schools in Northern Ireland, would meet the 40-40-20 scenario? The, the vast majority of schools will not meet the 40-40-20, and that's for a number of reasons. Um, not least being that um, there appear to be a more and more parents who would identify as other, the main numbers to identify as from the Protestant or Roman Catholic community. And from a, a school that has been established as a there can be changes in the, the local population, which may be the particular challenges. Um, so that's why the legislation states reasonable numbers. And those reasonable numbers have to take in a, a number of factors that I've talked about. So the department very much has moved this decision from it must be 40-40-20, it never was, a, that's a last reason, to reasonable numbers for the school and the area in which the school is located. Um, it's a challenge for many of schools. We do monitor the minority um, representation enrollment at schools and we do work with I think Sarah, the Education Authority and NICE to help those schools, to assist those schools uh, to see what they can do to work towards increasing that um, representation from the minority community. It's just that, so is, I'm a bit confused now, is the position 40-40-20 or reasonable numbers or is it both? The legislation says reasonable numbers for uh, Protestant Roman Catholic When you talked earlier about the, the makeup in terms of religious balance, in terms of the workforce, and uh, terms of, is that in terms of teaching staff and other support staff for, for teachers? Yeah. It is. Yes, it would be teaching and non-teaching staff. Yes. So, so how does that apply then? In this society where people should be uh, open to apl uh, applying for employment, regardless of their religious background. The, the, the makeup of, of the teaching staff and the non-teaching staff at the school, it merely in the education that there should be representation from both communities in that high level. 
Would that, would that's different to balance, though? Representation is different to balance. You said the balance. The religious balance, sorry. The religious balance refers to the people attending the school. Mm-hmm. When we mentioned where you were asking about the 4045. Yeah. That was the pupils at the school. The staff at the school, there are no targets. There are no, not 50-50. It doesn't have to be that. It's just it has to be a mix of. Right. So, so there are no, people can apply and if the school um, is in a position whereby, I mean, I, for example, the point I'm trying to make is I opposed the quotas in the police because I, there's no such thing as positive discrimination. It's discrimination. So um, in terms of uh, the teaching staff in an integrated school, people are interviewed, selected and awarded uh, a post or a position based on their ability and nothing else. Yes, sorry. That's okay. Thanks, Chair. Thanks, William. Justin <coughs> McDuffie. Chair, um, and thank you, Alison, for sharing the field with your evidence today. Um, maybe touching on a point which has just been made, um, there are a number of examples of mixed post primary schools where the minority community exceeds 30% that don't have integrated. School status, but who are black, mean, and inclusive, and often have high levels of academic achievement. This is not the case that this is exactly what's needed. High performing schools with a welcoming and inclusive ethos, but not necessarily integrated with a capital A. I think that where, where we be looking at the wider review of education, it really needs to pick up on that. That is set in degrees, schools are defined in legislation. Um, and that's primary legislation, that's not something that um, we have been in a position to, to change. And I think it's reflected in, in Colin's report as well. And I think it is that, that broader issue of, you know, society has moved on from, um, from 1989 when the primary legislation was written. And um, there is an opportunity then to, to have that discussion and, um, and see what is actually wanted as to how we recognise do we wish to have all the different types of schools and I mean when we talk about integrated schools it, a lot of it is very much that it's a management type of school and um, so in terms of the legislation some of that is into the sort of more dry areas whereas I think what you're talking about is the sort of real reality of, of a vibrant and successful school. Okay and um, why does the department not actually consider promoting that aspect of education perhaps through the use of the open and widening kind of work for all schools? Well, I think it exists. Yeah, it does. I mean, every school, good school promotes, and that's the policy for, for um, educational um, achievement across all sectors of schools. Um, the kind of mark uh, in particular uh, reference to the recommendations that Colin made uh, was really, um, when we had discussions with NICE that um, originally was rejected as a concept. Um, they didn't see um, the value in that. You know, every school should strive to be a good school. I think um, NICE are looking more towards their excellence um, and integration um, uh, awards um, that they already have in place and putting that on a more formal footing. Um, but it surely says, I think there's an opportunity within um, the review um, to look at a lot of these issues in more detail. And certainly this um, report and its recommendations are going to form part of that going forward. 
Well, what, what's in the parking sense? Uh, you know, this has been an ongoing discussion for many years now. Are we making progress? Yes, I mean, NICE are um, definitely doing a very good job. Um, they're funded to um, encourage and facilitate the growth of integrated education. Um, we've been working alongside them um, before the pandemic, gone out and um, doing roadshows, um, for example, with lots of schools that have expressed interest uh, at workshops in becoming um, integrated. Um, and the, the guidance that we've provided has, has given them a clear platform in, in terms of how that would happen. Um, going forward, um, shared education has been mentioned several times this morning, and anecdotally, principals would say, well, the next stage for us would be to move to integration. You know, so I, I do think there is there are very positive strides forward. Okay, just touching on what Robbie mentioned earlier, the department shared education plans, create uh, policies, uh, credit policies are designed to improve relations between communities. Does the department think that a shared education project will lead to greater informal and formal integration of our school system? Well, as I just said, there, there is anecdotal evidence coming back from the principals who are participating in, in shared education partnerships, and um, that that might be something that they would consider in the future. And interestingly enough, 50 integrated schools are participating in shared education partnerships as well, and NICE have been instrumental in some of the training that has been delivered. Um, to the teaching staff across our shared education partnerships. So we're certainly working together. Um, community connections is probably one of those things that we need to work on better uh, with shared education. Um, uh, and um, But certainly there are reconciliation outcomes for the children and the teaching staff indeed, but there are there's still challenges remaining in that program too. I must almost recall in my own school days, a teacher uh, introduced a shared education project with Gary Heiss, whatever, that we very good weekends. And William touched on sport. We played one half Gaelic football and one half hockey. I was good in Gaelic football, but it wasn't much use to hockey. <laughs> but it was, a, it was a brilliant introduction to uh, shared education at a time when shared education wasn't even a concept. So yeah. I must uh, applaud the work of the great game of our Kruki, who has raised actually a million pounds for charity with his presidents on a weekly basis, um, and he was a visionary, and that's the sort of positive ethos all the schools should embrace, that we're all part of the same community. So again, okay, thank you very much for your evidence. Thank you. Thanks, Justin. Morris Bradley? Yeah, thanks, Chair. Uh, thanks very much for the presentation, folks. Uh, I just want to touch on the recommendation 28. Uh, and I lose the development of the educational school. Uh, because uh, the most recent email that we have had before in as an integrated colleague, which is recommended for another new bill, and the Clear Road, but just to remind me, the crow flies at Korean College, it's in a dilapidated state, yet the department had originally given reference to another new bill integrated college over Korean College. And Korean College enrollment has been rising year on year. Uh, and it's also integrated without having the capital A and um, people's mixed backgrounds. But I'm, I'm only using this as an example, I'm not being specific, but I would be a supporter of integrated education, but certainly not in its current form, which I believe is wrong. Can I ask why integrated provision is given preference over control or casting contained throughout Northern Ireland? And would shared education not be a more equitable way of progressing shared education as opposed to the current education integrated education policy? which clearly 
is not achieving its aim. Um, we have a statutory duty to encourage and facilitate both integrated and Irish medium education, um, and the statutory duty to encourage and facilitate and promote shared education. And um, so those work hand in hand. Um, and as I said, a lot of the integrated schools are involved in shared education partnerships, um, and uh, um, given the benefit of their uh, long experience and actually their ethos and, and tackling um, difficult issues um, with these in terms of um, integrated schools. Um, so I, you know, that, that's just the, the, the statutory position that we have. We, we are in a situation where we have to encourage and facilitate integrated education. But do you not agree with me that it isn't really working the way it's in Northern Ireland? Well, I think shared education um, uh, uh, in its inception and, and its implementation across the system is actually having uh, really, really big rewards um, in terms of you know, bringing children together um, and teaching staff together and boards of governors and training uh, you know, is provided for them as well. So it's, 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 a, it's a logical step, I think, towards um, a more um, integrated um, education system. Um, and as I said, there is anecdotal evidence um, from, from principals participating in shared education that that is that they would, um, that might want to look at in the future, but it's, you know, it's, integrated education has to come from the ground up. There has to be parental preference, parental um, balloting, um, and the board governors have to go out to parents to establish if they want um, to transform to integrated status. Um, there has to be a lot of community engagement um, also in terms of transforming to integrated status um, and we, we are sort of working across Northern Ireland at the minute to promote shared and integrated education um, in a way that wasn't previously done I think you know so this, these things take some time um, culturally um, uh, to, to manifest positively uh, in our society and the independent rule they said as well, we'll give us an opportunity to look at this in more detail. Yeah, okay, well, I, I, uh, I, I think the education system is a massive overhaul. Parents will want their children to attend the school that offers the best educational prospects for them to further their careers. Uh, whether they have a label of Catholic or Protestant, uh, I think it's immaterial, and I think it needs a massive rethink. Thank you, Chair. Morris, when you say it's not working, what well, other than what you've just said there, what, what, in what way is it not working? It's, uh, if you take the demographics of Northern Ireland, where there's a, a, a large Protestant area or a large Catholic area, it's virtually impossible to get integrated education. Uh, it just doesn't work. Uh, and, you know, my own area here at, at Corian, we have an integrated college, which is, I would say, 70, 75 percent Protestant. It's, it's not working. I mean, what's in Joseph's College, which the county contained college has, has now disappeared off the map. Okay. Thank, thanks for your questions there, Morris. Um, just uh, before I uh, close up here, then, or can I ask a few questions? Um, Alison, the Independent Review of Education made 38 recommendations, um, 39 recommendations. How, how many of those recommendations have been implemented? So those that are actioned or that are in progress are recommendations. Well, how, how many have been how many have been actioned? Well, 
Actions implemented. Yeah. Okay. Chart and in terms of, um, you know, for example, um, we're recommendation 28 for that cross cuts with both treasuries. There are some that are still working progress, but that's um, work is being done on them. So there's, there's 11 in that category. Okay, how many are there in the actioned category? 11. We would say 11. Okay, but that's the actioned or on work in progress category. What's what's the actioned category? Well, in terms of those that are actioned, I mean, some some will take more time to come to fruition than others. So that's why we're categorizing those as actioned or in progress, um, in terms of the briefing we provided. So you can't you can't answer that then. No. Okay. So in the in terms of. Um, not actioned or work in progress is that 28 recommendations out of 39 that are not being actively progressed yes you could um you could say that um minister has agreed that 15 of those will be taken forward um as a focused um part of the independent review of education um and there are uh, rationals or rationale for why um, some of the recommendations are not being taken forward at all. What what it what is our rationale? Well, for example, the ETI continuum recommendation um, uh, for schools to self-assess their practices, methodologies, and capacity. Uh, when we consulted with colleagues in the ETI, their their position on this is that they have the inspection and self-evaluation framework already, and um, for each phase of education in school, um, and that there is no need to have um, a sector-specific. Um, self-assessment methodology. Okay, so sorry, just to check in. So there's a, eleven being action. How many not be that have been rejected? Eleven. Eleven. Okay. Okay. Uh, in terms of, of a number of particular recommendations, then um, recommendation two, the the authors have identified recommendation two. Uh, three and uh, 38 has been of particular importance. Recommendation two is that the Department of Education brings forward legislation to place a duty on the Department of Education and the Education Authority and APAR and all other arm's length bodies to encourage, facilitate and promote integrated education. Um, the Minister's update in relation to that recommendation says that recommendation two is within the remit of the Northern Ireland Council for Integrated Education to take forward as it is charged with the promotion of integrated education. My department does not promote any sector above another. Could the department give some clarity as to what mechanism NICE could use to bring forward legislation to place a duty on the Department of Education to promote integrated education? No, I think the answer was really that um, NICE are funded to promote integrated education in Northern Ireland. Um, it's not for them to bring forward legislation, they wouldn't be able to do that. Um, the position is that no one sector is promoted over another, and if we were to bring legislation forward to promote integrated education, then we would also have to consider that for all other sectors. Okay, um, so is that, is, that rec is that recommendation rejected then? I think we would, we would um, contend that really we are discharging the promotion of, of integrated education because the department 
uh, funds nicely to, to undertake that duty, and that's in line with the legislation, and the same in terms of synergy with regards to the Irish Indian sector. Okay, but the Minister is rejecting the recommendation that the Department of Education brings forward legislation to promote integrated education. Yes, that was one of the ones that he said would not be taken forward. Okay. Um, recommendation 11 uh, is that all development proposals for closures and amalgamations of existing schools should be required to demonstrate explicitly in the case for change that they have given meaningful consideration to a sustainable, integrated, jointly managed or shared solution. Recommendation 13, um, DE should remove all financial disincentives to shared education partnerships that wish to amalgamate uh, through the development process to become either integrated or jointly managed. And recommendation 14 is the Department of Education should develop clear guidance and a funded support package for schools that wish to follow this pathway. Um, the Minister has said these recommendations will be taken on by the independent review, but these are of material relevance and, and critical components of area-based planning, which will continue to be delivered by the planning authorities. So why why, um, why will those be taken forward by the independent review um, when there's such a critical pro component of area planning, um, which will be delivered by planning authorities during the period of the independent review? Has the department given any guidance to the planning authorities in relation to these recommendations? We haven't given guidance to, to the authorities at this point. Um, I, I think. Um, these relate to, I mean, the disincentives, etc., relating to the common funding formula. And as, as you will be aware, there was a, a separate review of that. And um, area planning is, is part of the also part of the transformation program. So there is a, these are not all singularly being taken forward in isolation. But in terms of considering a different way of doing something, um, I think that it is appropriate to consider that in the wider discussion coming out of the review of education. Um, you know, that if the area planning process was to require that it will not be taken any further forward unless um, um, the school can demonstrate in what way or how they have decided that they are determined whether they would become an integrated school or a managed school. Um, you know, that's, that's quite a significant um, policy shift and it also relates to wider education provision which is why um, I think it does appropriately as part of the considerations um, that will be and the discussions and that conversation that we've, we've touched on already this morning that will take place as part of the review of education. And so have these recommendations been explicitly included in the terms of reference for the independent review of education? Well, we have been talking to our policy colleagues that have taken that forward um, to ensure that they will be explicitly um, referenced in the terms of reference. So, they, so, they, so those, the recommend, the, those recommendations will be in the terms of reference for the independent review that the executive will consider? The terms of reference will um, explicitly state that um, this section um, in the draft terms of reference um, that are there currently, just pull up, um, you know, the, the areas of work that have a linkage to its work and we have um, given a form of words to explicitly include these 15 recommendations relating to the um, review of integrated education. And the, so the, the 15 recommendations will not be sent on the face of the terms of, of reference is my understanding. 
um, and, um, but they have been given to, to the policy team and there is a process for ensuring that the specific um, recommendations are passed to the panel once that is established. Okay, and does that include 11, 13 and 14? Yes. Yeah. Yes, it does. Yes, it's 15. Okay. Um, Thank you uh, very much for your uh, your presentations today. Sorry, Daniel, you wanted to come back in briefly? Yeah, yeah, sure. just, just for this, if I could be raised earlier, why I didn't have raise it with, the, uh, with our previous guest, it's because it wasn't the author that, that established the review, it was the department, and therefore it was the department's responsibility, not the author, so that's why I didn't raise it directly with uh, Colin Kavanagh. I raise it with the department because it leaves their responsibility. So that, that's the reason for that question. It confirmed uh, my concern that they probably wouldn't have an answer to it. That's exactly what has happened. So the independence is independence from the department in terms of an independent review commissioned by a department. Is that, is that accurate, Alison? Yes, that is true. Okay, so the authors are independent of the Department of Education? Yes, they both were. Okay. Uh, yeah, but one, one, one of those was the president of NACI. Uh, Which is a point. Was, was the president of NACI at the time? Yeah. So that's not independent of the Department of Education. Yeah. I think we leave it there. Um, okay, thanks very much indeed for your, your presentation. Um, there's obviously a, a range of issues there for us to continue to take forward um, disappointing amount of recommendations that have been actioned um, and a, a piece of work for us to continue to keep an eye on but thank you very much for your engagement today thank you thank you, Jim. Thank you. okay clark um, i bring members uh, into the spotlight and ask clark to summarize any uh, actions or requests for additional information resulting from the two briefings today Okay, Chairperson, thank you. So just waiting for members to rejoin the spotlight. So this is where they can uh, stop me and indicate I've got it wrong. So perhaps the committee, uh, following those two briefings, wants to do the following. Um, possibly write the CCMS and just seek clarity on their policy in respect of the FIDO exemption around post-primary transfer, as Mr. Kavanagh referred to. Um, also, um, right to the department, uh, just to seek an update uh, if indeed the recommendations that are in the uh, integrated education report are to be included in the independent review of education. My understanding was, Chairperson, that's a matter for the executive uh, rather than for the department or even the minister. Um, so uh, we can get um, confirmation on that. And also asking the department about the level of oversubscription and overprovision in integrated schools on a school by school basis. Um, ask them to explain, if necessary, on the uh, independence of uh, the uh, report authors. Um, possibly also ask them to explain why the differential sectors recommendation is not being taken forward. So this was the bit about um, uh, undertaking a survey to see how reconciliation um, uh, attitudes vary across the different educational sectors. I've had a quick look at the Young Life and Time survey. It does include information about reconciliation, but it doesn't do it by educational sectors. The two aren't quite the same. Um, perhaps seek sight of the draft ethos document for jointly managed church schools. I was quite surprised by that. The department briefed the predecessor committee about this 
and they were fit to tell members quite a bit about it then, so I was surprised they don't have a, any kind of ethos um, document. And, and then perhaps also ask the department to specify those recommendations that have indeed been actions rather than in progress. Uh, Chairperson, have I missed anything there, members? Um, if you're if you're seeking if you're seeking the the level of oversubscription um, for integrated schools, you can just do it for all schools. Okay. Can I, can Robin, you want to come in? Yeah, sure. Uh, can I just? Uh, uh, there, may, there may or may not be evidence for for this, but the comment was made about that the integrated education on the west of the Ban area is is not being taken up as it might be in the east east of the Ban area. Is there any evidence or any work being done uh, around that, uh, Chair? And can I ask, uh, in terms of the Methodist College, which, as I understand it, was a, a college established by the Methodist Church initially for the education of the sons and daughters of Methodist ministers, but is indeed, as I understand it, a faith-based organisation still, but indeed has the integrated, no sorry, does not have the integrated, but is an integrated mm. college with a very high percentage, perhaps the 40, 40, 20 even, uh, att attending the college, but certainly growing numbers in, in there. Can we maybe just try to understand uh, the Methodist College situation, Chair? Yeah, um, I think it's often referred to as super mixed. Um, you, might, you might want to, I mean, I think members have touched on what is the difference between um, a super mixed school and an integrated school? So it might be worth taking a, a briefing on what is an integrated school from um, a particular body at some point in time. Um, yeah. it's, there was a lot of debate there in terms of what, what Royal, it is or what, Royal Academy would be exactly the same. What it isn't. What is a super mixed school? What is an integrated school? Obviously, there the intake is not is not the only. Um, basis on which a, a school would be described as integrated. Um, yeah, happy to look into that. Any other members want to come in? I think the point that, that Morris yep. raised around the uh, the money, now, you know, that that's something which you hear um, quite often about schools looking to go down the road of um, integration uh, for financial reasons. Uh, and therefore, a school that chooses to do that gets um, rewarded with money, when other schools that are equally good schools in the nearby vicinity are unable to get their buildings upgraded because they, are, they have not chosen to do that. That doesn't mean that school is any less a good school. It doesn't mean that school isn't necessarily integrated, but um, is being in integrated um, naturally, if you can use that term. So I, th I think that would be something I would be interested in as well. I think that's a fair point. Uh, so, Chair, just to come back on the on Methodist College is, uh, as the member rightly said, is a, described itself as, uh, as an interdenominational school. But if I remember correctly, because the committee visited Methodist College, I'm not sure if the member was on. I, I was. You on the, that was Christmas? I, I, I was. I yeah. How many years ago was that? Um, but I think at the time when they did give us evidence, uh, I believe the Methodist Church has some representation on their Board of Governors, but they would describe themselves in a denominational um, school. They're not an integrated school. 
but they would have, I, I think, I'm pretty sure the member's right, that they are super mixed, that there'd be a high level of members of what you might term the minority community, and I bet that would be the same for, for BRA as well. And other schools, St. Colin Banis, Banbridge Academy, uh, there, there's a couple more, um, Colmore Primary and, uh, and others, as I recall. Um, so the committee is then for seeking an oral briefing just around these definitions. Um, INST would be another one, but I, I don't know what the same level. It's not my area as such. Yeah, INST would, would be a school that would draw from across the community. And I mean from very much from the ethnic minorities because it also has a boarding facility as well. Certainly. Uh, members, in your pack you can find uh, just the, uh, an excerpt from the predecessor committee's inquiry into shared and integrated education. A lot of that information is there, but um, I think members want an oral briefing, so we'll sort out an oral briefing, Chairperson, if that, all of those actions are agreed, Chairperson. Any other members? Okay. Agreed? I agreed, members. <coughs> is that oh. agreed? Those actions agreed? Great. Great. Thank you. Okay, Clark, uh, we move then to correspondence. Lovely. Agenda item seven. Are you okay to speak to the correspondence, Clark? You're a happy chairperson. Yeah, Sorry, will I catch up on my pack, which is going slow? So, members, at uh, page 297 of your packs, we have 18 items of correspondence plus one tabled item. Summary note is at page 27, so uh, I can ask if members are content to dispose of it, of the correspondence as per the summary, with the following exceptions. So um, the first one, really just to bring to your attention, it's page 301. This is a response from the Education Authority about, um, we had a briefing about the special schools area planning process. Officials indicated that a professional development um, program package would be put in place uh, in support of, um, of what was planned uh, in order to help um, the special schools and the development of the learning support centres in mainstream schools. EA indicates it has apparently not developed substantive plans in this regard, so that was one of the things that members wanted to establish. Uh, the relevant consultation concludes in December um, and I'm waiting for confirmation from the Education Authority that they will return to us early in the new year about the, um, the outcomes. Um, of that consultation. So are members content to note that, Chairperson? Okay. Lovely. Okay then. Um, at item 7.3, this is page 304. This is a response from the Minister on lockdown and access to support for vulnerable children, which the committee were briefed about last week. It's essentially a restatement of the evidence which um, officials provided orally last week. Um, um, the, the committee is going to have a Zoom conference, informal Zoom conference next Thursday. Um, they want to um, revisit those issues then. So, in the meantime, are the committee content to note? Chair, I can't hear. Where's the consent? Because somebody's got their mind on, and it's really bad. Okay, so if I'll just recap then um, on that one. So, page 304, it's response from the Minister lockdown and access to support for vulnerable children. It's essentially a restatement of what officials said um, in some detail um, uh, last week. So uh, if members content to note that for now, uh, the committee will return to this issue again at an informal Zoom conference next Thursday. So you content to note for now. Agreed. 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 The other one I wanted to pick out was at page 415. This is a response from the department on October monitoring. Um, they tell us quite a bit about special school uh, capital programme 
um, confirms that there is a new resource or capital package as yet to support the new special schools area planning approach. But I think they indicate that the minister is uh, planning in 2021 a, um, a new build, a major capital um, sort of call for, uh, call for projects. Um, also, there's clarification. Uh, officials incorrectly um, advised the committee that the uh, minister had uh, given a ministerial direction in respect of Struel. He hasn't yet. He is waiting for <coughs> confirmation from HM Treasury that um, Fresh Start Capital um, can be used for that project. <coughs> Additionally, there's a response on questions, I think, that Mr McCrossan asked about CCMS and SIA and the additional money, and it seems to be around things like pay pressures, contract services and rent. So just to confirm with members that they are content with what they've got, and I hope, Mr McCrossan, that that answered the question that you asked at the time. Okay, looking yes. good. Be good. Are members content then? Here. Agreed. Agreed. Lovely. Thank Sorry. you very much. Sorry, right. Robin, Sorry, item yeah. nine. I'm, I'm desperately looking for item nine. Yes, General Teaching Council, page four hundred and thirty-two. Four three two. Just coming to that now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. Yep. All right. So, uh, as uh, the member has just referred to, this is a response from DE um, about the General Teaching Council. So, to clarify, members, and sorry for the explanation, but um, teachers in schools are required to register. So they get a little registration number, and that comes from the General Teaching Council. If the teacher was subject to um, significant misconduct, I mean very serious misconduct, what happens is the General Teaching Council can investigate, and they can apply sanctions. And the sanctions could include deregistration, so that could stop the teacher teaching in the school again. So you can imagine some of the very serious things that might make you want to ensure that a teacher doesn't teach anymore. Fair enough. Um, in the annual report and accounts which the department produced, there were a couple of lines about the VIRES, the, the legal authority that the General Teaching Council is, or the department is supposed to have in this regard. Um, the committee wrote about this. The department has written back confirming that GTCNI currently lacks the correct legislative authority to undertake robust investigations into allegations of misconduct or to provide any sanction, including deregistration of teachers, and that the department is working to bring forward the necessary amendments to primary legislation. Um, so that is, um, I think maybe Mr Newton might recall, long ago, was it five years ago, I think the department came to the committee with a an SR statutory rule, which they wanted passed in a hurry to ensure that the department had the virus to deal with this, well, here we appear to be again where um, GTCNI does not have the virus to do what it's supposed to do, and they're, they're, they give a various explanations for why that is. So, um, Chairperson, I think I'm sensing members may wish to comment, so. Yep, members wish to come in. So obviously, well, so obviously a very serious situation. Yep. Chair, obviously requires the, a lot of, Five years ago, I, maybe I think it was it was 2016 <coughs> I, or something like that. It was like September, and they came to us with um, a statutory rule, and they were in a big hurry because what had happened was the department had deleted the general teaching councils. No, they deleted their own virus about um, the deregistration of teachers by accident. Um, and the idea was that it would transfer the general teaching council, but that didn't happen. So they came back in a hurry, said, "No, please." pass the statutory rule so that we can get our virus back. The committee did, the assembly did, everything was fine, we thought. 
And then here we are again, back to the same situation where the virus apparently um, don't exist. Um, not only that, they can't do uh, robust um, investigations or apply any um, uh, any sanctions for teachers. And these these would be, to be clear, very rare situations. Mm -hmm. But you know, you could understand why you'd want to um, have the uh, authority, the legal authority, to. <coughs> require a teacher to keep away from the school in a particular very special and unique um, situations, chairperson? Yeah, I, I agree, Robin. So, Clark, General Teaching Council lacks the correct legislative authority to undertake investigations into serious allegations of misconduct or provide any sanction, including deregistration of teachers, as it stands. Yeah, Robin, I agree. A, an extremely serious situation. And about which the committee has not been communicated with. Um, Daniel, did you want to come in there before I propose our action? Daniel? Yeah, so my proposed action would be to write to the Minister um, expressing serious concern of the committee and to ask how this state of affairs has happened and why the committee was not informed what action is being taken to address the situation. Members content with that no, I think the other, the other question you would ask is when did it become clear that we were in this position? Okay. Um, because if, to be fair, if it's only it was only become clear now and they have written to us in a, in, in a timely period, but if it's something that they've been aware of for some time and haven't, then that's a different issue. So, okay. Obviously, some five years ago, something fell through the gap somewhere. Okay. Members content to inquire as to when it was known, how it happened, um, what action is being taken to address, and obviously we expect an urgent response to that. Peter, thanks. So, Chairperson, moving on then to item 10, which is at page 435. This is a response from SIA on contingency arrangements for examinations and curriculum delivery. It's actually quite an interesting letter because they explain things. I, I find it interesting anyway. But SIA has confirmed that the position in respect of Northern Ireland students taking um, WJEC, so Welsh Board examinations, will not be clarified until January 2021. So, as the Minister indicated during question time the other day, um, in Wales, they've taken a different approach to uh, examinations, um, and there are some students, I think it's about a hundred, a couple of hundred of students in Northern Ireland who actually take Welsh board examinations, so um, the position actually hasn't been clarified for them and will not be until, according to the letter, until January 2021. So um, perhaps, Chairperson, the committee might want to again write to the Minister asking for details of the contingencies and options which SIA has provided in its advice to him, including consideration of moderated centre-assessed grades processes. So um, what this is about is what are we going to do in 2021? Obviously, a situation's in a state of flux, um, vaccination on the horizon um, uh, and all that. But the question is, what options has SIA provided uh, to the Minister in respect of end-of-year examinations? And might they include things like uh, moderated centre-assessed uh, grades, which would be a step up from what we perhaps used last time? Chairperson, yep. that's great. I'm content with that. Members agreed? Agreed. 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 Thank you. 
Thanks, members. And the other one I was just going to pick out was that to page 446, this is from Rainy Endowed School. They're expressing concerns regarding current proposals for GCSEs and A-level examinations. They are quite complex, the, the issues that they've raised, and, and very eloquently too, but uh, I'm sort of struggling a little with what they've said. So I suggest, Chair President, that the committee writes the SIA, seeking its comments on the detailed points that uh, Rainy and Dowd have made. Chairperson, that's agreed. 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 And then, not quite finally, and will um, we, we will re receive a copy of that response. We will ask for that, yes, yeah. Chairperson. Okay. Um, then we have, um, yeah, at uh, page 454, Action for Children have provided information on its Blues programme and its potential to support the goals currently outlined in the Children and Young People's Emotional Health and Wellbeing and Education Framework, which was the committee was briefed about a week or two ago. Um, so Action for Children is actually seeking the opportunity to brief the committee, suggesting maybe, Chair, that the committee notes for now um, as the department will be briefing on the Children and Young People's strategy on the 16th of December, and perhaps we could um, reconsider then. Is that agreed? Yeah, members agreed. 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 Chair, can I just go there? That's okay. Robbie, go ahead, Robbie. Thank you, Chair. Thanks, Peter. Um, I'm glad you picked that up. I'm just going to note on this one because obviously in the, in the forward work program, I don't want to jump too far ahead. Uh, we have pieces uh, the emotional health and wellbeing, and it's, it's, it's the work with the community for health, but not much standard. Obviously, we have the framework being delivered by the Department of Education with the framework uh, from the Department of Health and the strategy. I think actually there's a little bit of urgency on this. Um, and Action for Children, the program is particularly good, but there are other uh, people out there too. So I think maybe we need to get close to hand down some of the answers for some of these groups that are already providing and probably can demonstrate measurably how effective some of their strategies are. So I think if we get a little we'll pick it up in, in uh, the work program, but want to lose this this communication here uh, in, in that conversation. Okay, so do we have a proposal for when we'd be able to fit that briefing in, Clark? Do you, do you want me to fit it in? Right, well, yeah. yes, I'll, I'll, I'll book that in, book that in. Okay. Take it as booked. Okay, in, okay. it will be the new year, but um, yeah, there yep. we go. Okay. Um, moving on, if the committee are content, is um, at uh, page 465 is a correspondence from a concerned parent about post-primary transfer, and they make re reference to the use of an app. Um, and just to seek the committee's agreement, to uh, write to the department seeking clarity on whether the claim made that this particular um, uh, transfer test app is supported or recommended by the department and whether schools can use engage program money for the purpose that has been suggested in order to support the use of, of said app um, and seek clarity on that basis from the department. Members content? Agreed? Yeah, agreed. Lovely. And Thank then you. finally, tabled items. This is a reply from the minister assuring the committee that guidance to schools about examinations um, has been uh, provided and actually providing us with a copy of um, said guidance. So members content to note that one. Okay. Was that, when was that provided? That would have been provided just this morning. Okay. Um, the yeah. guidance was received last Thursday, Justin? In schools, but yeah, yeah, they came to the committee, sorry, came to the committee just this morning, but sorry, yes, I think schools okay. were given guidance last Thursday, just after it would have been raised, I think, by the member under AOB last week. Justin, do you want to come in on that at all? Yeah, well, I think it's incredible that um, two days before exams commenced, that they're getting So public health guidance to support public examinations was issued to all schools on the 19th of November. 
and exams started on Monday, the 22nd, no, 23rd, 23rd, so one, two school days, one, one working day. Can we, can we respond members to ask why? It was issued one working day before the commencement of November examinations. Members content with that? Um, I'm really shocked, Chair. There's a department of financial leaders and I used to reality. It's unbelievable. It is, I mean, it, it is, to be serious, it, it is one of the key feedbacks from principals that the guidance they receive across a range of issues is frequently received with less than adequate notice um there's can we all, so in addition to asking why it was received at that timing um can we can we ask that if that guidance pertains to all future public examinations and post-primary transfer sure. tests okay members content agreed agreed well okay I get I, I, I think I understand what you're saying um, we can ask if it applies to all future public examinations and post primary transfer tests if it does not apply to post-primary transfer tests, what what um, public health guidance does apply yeah. and who is responsible for its implementation. Okay. Is that a bit more accurate, Robbie? Yeah, yes, absolutely. I think, I, I think we already know what the answer will come back at the Board of Governors, which isn't satisfactory, but I mean, it's not going to be satisfactory. Um, that's a fairly common answer, yep. Okay. Um, any any other comments in relation to correspondence, Clark? Uh, I don't have any of the members. No, members content. content. Okay, thank you. Agenda item eight. We're at risk of finishing on time here, Clark. Uh, forward work program. Can I refer members to the draft forward work program at page four six seven and ask the clerk to speak to the forward work program? Uh, just a quick one to remind members that the uh, committee previously sought data from SIA on A level grade awards. Uh, prior to 17th of August 2020, uh, compared with teacher predictions. So, SIA provided the information. Uh, Assembly Research has reviewed it and produced a paper summarising the findings. It suggested that we have a closed session briefing on the 16th of December, uh, by which time maybe we, we may have the findings of the Deloitte uh, review into uh, the same subject. So, if members are content to do that on that time scale. Agreed. Agreed. Great. Thanks. Very good. And then, the Youth Work Alliance is asked to come on the 13th of January to discuss COVID and other issues affecting their sector. Um, and um, I, I currently, well, I may be wrong, but I don't expect the EA to be in a position to brief on special schools area planning on the 13th of January. So if members are content for me to rejig um, accordingly. Okay? Can I just add to that? Sorry, Peter. Yep. Um, so the, um, in terms of the youth sector, I'm still understanding the representative bodies, but um, you have Youth Work Alliance, I think you also have what's called the Uniform Hub, um, and then potentially Youth Network NI. Would it be 
prudent for us if scheduling allows on that session to hear from the Youth Work Alliance, the Uniform Hub and Youth Network NI in whatever time spanned way permits and bring William in there as well. Yeah, yeah. funny. I, I actually have and I was going to raise in any other business. Um, I declare an interest, um, Chair, as a member of the Scout Association. Um, the uniformed organisations are a very serious situation across the UK. I mean, uh, the Scout Association is in a position of potentially 500 groups nationally could be under threat because of the, the ramifications of COVID. Um, but that also has implications in terms of employment for those who are employed by those organisations centrally and then regionally, but also in terms of the, the uh, activity centres that they will have here locally. Uh, Crawfordsburn, Lorne, yep. Guides, Gannaway for the BB, Ballyhornan for Scouting Ireland and so on. And uh, I, uh, as you know, we had, when we had last a youth service in front of us, we, I raised the issue uh, on, on behalf of them around those centres and the clarifications around activities and all of that. Um, I think it would be very important to hear their view because, uh, to be honest, they are working with tens of thousands of young people across Northern Ireland, or I should say they want to be, uh, and they're constrained and restricted at the moment in terms of COVID. Much easier to do so in the good weather when they can do things outside, much more difficult whenever we move into the inclement weather and, and, and the cold of winter. So I, I would I would propose that the Uniform Hub definitely would, would be included in that because it's important to hear from youth service and the youth work alliance, whatever. But they tend to be more statutory and, and paid for by the state. These other organisations are obviously hugely managed, largely by volunteers, giving of their own time, and and their voices to be heard too, chair. Uh, absolutely, I think the uniform hub, Clark and members covers Girl Guide in Ulster, Scout in Ireland, Catholic Guides of Ireland, Boys Brigade. Scouts NI and Uniform Hub facilitator is Claire King. So um, I think Youth Work Alliance, Uniform Hub and Youth Network NI I think is the other representative body. I think if we had the three um, bodies that would be a, a comprehensive engagement that day. Thanks Clark. Will do. Are you content? Okay, members, members uh, content agree the board work programme is amended. Agreed? Agreed? Great. Thanks, Robin. Um, okay, members, uh, any other business? No? <laughs> Try, I, feel, I feel uneasy finishing on time here. I'm, I'm sort of like delaying and so that we're late. Um, okay, date and time of next formal meeting then, members, is Wednesday the 2nd of December in the Senate Chamber at 9.30am. Committee meeting does now adjourn. Thank you. Thanks, members. Thank you. Maybe we get a lie in next week. <laughs> <laughs>